crime in me. I've diagnosed some people. I think it's been pretty accurate. Definitely done my fair share of psychiatry work. I've prescribed a few pills, you know. Crime in me. We are in no way responsible for the things that come out of our mouths. We are not experts, although we may claim to be, so don't take anything that we say too literally. We are not laughing at the crimes, we are laughing at each, each other! other. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Criminy. We're your hosts, Matt and Ange, and we're going to tell you some crime stories. Shit. Oh. I'm oh. <laughs> <Crime> sorry. <laughs> oh, I guess I go first since you it's do an go odd first. number. I am odd. You are uh, odd. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I got my information from Murderpedia and Oxygen.com and LaJustia.com. And I'm going to tell you the story about Audrey Marie Hilly. Okay. Okay. Well, you looked at me this. like I was supposed to know? No. Okay. Well, I, I was just seeing... I mean, I always check if there's a reaction. Okay. Gauge so, your like, audience. Do you know, <laughs> do you know what I'm going to tell you? Uh, let me preface this by saying that her name is Audrey Marie, yeah. but like... Okay, in my story, I call her Audrey because it's her first name, but right. in a lot of the stuff, they called her Marie... People do that. They like like their middle name better, so they like go by their middle name. No, I know. I, right, I know. But I'm going to call her Audrey just okay. because I started writing that way. Right. And then Might as well just keep I'm it the same. I'm not going to change it because I'm too stubborn. And I'm just going to say, I don't know. I'm fighting through the pain right now. <laughs> it still hurts. When you bend yes. your fingernail back, it's like really painful. So yeah. I'm going to like try and be present, but... It's but like might cry still painful. Bit. Yeah. <laughs> Put pressure on it. I don't want to touch it. It's like bad. I don't know. I don't know what to do. Oh. Yeah. Oh, you're going to. I don't want to lose it. Off. No, don't say off. that. I don't want to lose it. This is the okay, worst I've ever off. flipped back my nail. And it God. sucks. It really sucks. Oh. They're not even that long <sighs> right now, too. Like, look, you that's pretty short for like, my fingernails. You telling me that your fingernail got flipped, flipped back it. makes me, like, more queasy than the stories no. that we tell each other. So I know. Up. No, it's, like, it's awful. Coming it's too desensitized. Super, like, cringy. Yep. <sighs> cringy. Okay. okay. You focusing? I'm trying. I'm fighting okay. through the pain. <laughs> Distract so, me from my pain. We'll talk about someone else's. That's bad. Never mind. Okay, okay. good. Go yeah, ahead. let's do that. Oh, no. Let's talk about someone else. So Audrey Marie Hilly was born Audrey Marie Frazier. Oh, Frazier. <laughs> and she was born on June 4th, 1933 in the Blue Mountain area of Anniston, Alabama. Okay, back in time. Back in time in Bama to Lucille and Huey Frazier. Mm-hmm. Both her parents worked, um, and so she was pretty much raised by her grandparents. Okay. And when her parents were home, they would they tended to shower her with gifts and things, and like not discipline her because they were right. like you know we trying to be like the see cool. You. Like, yeah. Let's just 
give you everything you want. Which yeah, we don't want to dwell on the bad. We're just going to give you all the good. Makes for a spoiled person and not mm-hmm. the best person. Yes. Like we've talked Indeed. about last week. Consequences. Indeed. Consequences. Indeed. So she, yeah, she was never disciplined by them for anything. It was just like, oh, Marie or Audrey. No oh, Audrey Marie. <laughs> you're just so cute. Yeah. At the tender age of 18, she married Frank Hilly. Damn. Frank was in the military and like a year or two older than her. So like, I think that they met in high school and then he graduated and joined the military. And then he was like away for training or something. And he decided like, oh, I don't want to lose her. So I'm going to like tie that knot up or what What do you call it? Hitch that rope. Tie that. Tie the knot. Tie the <sighs> knot. <laughs> Get hitched. Tie the knot. Get lock it hitched. down. Lock. Yep. Tie it up. Put a bow on it. That's a you ring know. on it. A ring. Yeah. Right. And then she was like, okay. Lock so it So they up. got married. Lock it locked it up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then together they had two kids, Mike and Carol, not to be confused with the characters of Growing Pains, because I'm pretty sure that those ah! were their names. <laughs> Mike and Carol Sieber. That was such a good show. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, um, and... Frank had a pretty well-paying job, and Audrey was a secretary. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. So, you know, back in those days, women didn't have to work, but her parents always, like, encouraged her to... Well, you go to secretary in, school, and you become a secretary. Right. So, I, right, so after high school, she did that, and mm-hmm. so she's, like, a professional secretary. That's right. Yeah. And, like I said, uh, Frank had a pretty good-paying job, so really, she didn't need to work, but the problem was she liked to spend money. Uh, uh-huh. So she needed that job. Well, it's good, though, that she was, like, working for the money she was spending. Except that, uh, unbeknownst great. to Frank, Uh-oh. she was also spending, like, all the money he was making and all the money she was making. And That's they like- were pretty bad off it's always amazing to me just because like we were raised to like not spend money and you have to like save money like just people who like live way beyond their means it's always like how do you feel comfortable doing that aren't you like stressed all the time that it's all gonna like shit's gonna hit the fan and then you're gonna be fucked like i mean i think at that level it's more of a mental illness where yeah you just have no concept of yeah yeah, it's compulsive exactly it's compulsive you have no concept of like or maybe you do have a concept of it, but you you don't think about the consequences when you're doing it because it's like that you need that high, you need that like need that desire to like get something new, and yeah. it gives you like a high for like five minutes, and then you. I like always feel guilty else. when I spend money on myself. <laughs> the other day, <laughs> the other day I did like the most embarrassing Target shop ever because <laughs> because I needed I wanted to get underwear because uh-huh. you know my underwear is like all worn out i haven't gotten some for like a long time the other yeah the other day i had like a pair that was like whole you know because it's stupid because like women they always put like lace on it and the lace always like uh, rips so then it's, right. you just have like a bunch of holes and you're like are these supposed <laughs> to be here are these like part of the design like what's going on anyway so long story short i needed underwear so i stopped off at target and i didn't really need anything else but i was like okay well i have to get I can't just, like, buy underwear. You know, you have to, like, go to stores for things you really need. So I got, like, some hand sanitizer. And then I was, like, in the cat aisle. 
<laughs> and I was like, if I get underwear and cat stuff and hand sanitizer, this is like so embarrassing. <laughs> the person well, who like works at the checkout is going to be like, uh, okay. But actually, the woman I went to, she was like super nice and it wasn't like that big of a deal. But I was like, this is so embarrassing right now. <laughs> I know. Well, it's funny, like, as a consumer to feel like that but then like as someone that's worked like retail or like stores like that where it's like we don't even get like nobody gives a fuck what you're putting on the no i never judged we're just scanning it and put it in the bag or whatever yeah unless (laughs) they were getting like bud light and like cigarettes i was kind of like oh okay man (laughs) but (laughs) no i'm always like that's like my favorite thing to do when i go to the store or whatever is look and see what in some other people's carts just to kind of like get a picture of like who they are it's like the best it's the best yeah it it gives a real insight yeah that was the fun part about like working retail at like a kind of like a store like groceries Mm -hmm. we didn't really have like groceries we had like snacks and stuff and i was always like yeah oh this tells me a little bit about who you are picking out these things or like sometimes at a grocery store, you can kind of like guess what they're making for dinner or something yeah. by what they're picking out. Yeah, or just their lifestyle. I was just like, that, I always thought it'd be fun <sighs> to go and like hang out at a grocery store and just watch people <laughs> see what they buy. Mm. Not that I do it these That's days. That's creepy. But... <laughs> I love it. It's like <laughs> We're a such little detectives. <laughs> little detectives well that's why i liked going and like cleaning out people's homes yeah like you learn so much about people just by like looking at what shit they have in their house and like what they want to keep and what they want to get rid of and people are fascinating very fascinating (laughs) you just get like a peek into their daily lives i don't know it's interesting yeah Yeah. and their mental health (laughs) yeah well from the person who gets uh, like hand sanitizer and underwear at a and underwear <laughs> and cat toys. <laughs> I'm just gonna huff some catnip and uh, lay in my underwear and use, use hand sanitizer. Crazy cat lady. Mm-hmm. Plus, me and Tobe have been alone for so so many weeks at this point. I was like, oh god. <laughs> and I've been like I've really become... slumming it up. Not that I like dress mm. up anyway, but. We've been really yeah. slumming it up lately because we're like home alone, so we could yeah <laughs> wear whatever the fuck you want. Anyway, anyway sorry. Back to me. Yeah. Back to the story, not about you. <laughs> oh yeah, back to the story. <laughs> uh, so because both the parents worked again, they it kind of like perpetuated what she did or what her parents did to her, where like, um, her and Frank would you know lavish the kids in gifts and stuff and buy their love and, and not really basically buy their love them. exactly yeah um healthy so good healthy yes so obviously her spending habits caused some friction in the marriage yeah but he didn't exactly realize how much she was actually spending ooh, ooh. yeah like i said it was basically more than both that the both of what they made combined. That's always crazy, too, if you have, like, a shared bank account and you don't mm-hmm. realize. That's just crazy. Like, good communication Well, maybe she was happening. like, I'll be, the one that, I'll be the one that pays the bills. Like, don't worry. You don't right. need to look at the account. <laughs> I don't know. Well, yeah, and then you, like, trust that person and then you find out that you're, like, broke or, like, in debt. That would be uh-huh. devastating. Oh, yeah. She just, like, loved buying... F- new furniture and clothes and purses and just like things. Well, I feel like at that point you kind of notice, though. You'd be like, you do, Can but we I think maybe, this? maybe. But also, if you're someone that's like never been really 
shopping like you just trust that your wife is like being smart about it and like okay like i know you you buy clothes all the time but how much can clothes really cost because i don't buy my own clothes right but furniture seems like a big yeah i mean i don't know i'm just making all this stuff up oh okay (laughs) i mean no i I, no, i know that she bought furniture and clothes but i don't know like how what exactly he thought or right 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 who did what with the finances right well yeah if you trust if you trust someone you're just going to be like, well, maybe, you know, yeah, like maybe it was on sale. Maybe it was like, you'll make an excuse if you like trust that person. You don't want to believe that they're sending you to the poor house. Right. And Audrey was like so hard up for money that there were quite a few occasions where she would have sex with her boss uh, in in exchange for money. Uh-huh. 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 <laughs> okay. And also during this time, both Frank and the son Mike had been experiencing some sort of illness that doctors attributed to the stomach flu. Ooh. 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 <laughs> Uh-oh. So when when Mike was about 18 and, you know, ready to graduate high school Not and stuff, the daughter, he decided, though. No. Huh. So he decided that he wanted to go to seminary school and become oh. a preacher or a pastor or whatever you do with seminary school. And, you know, he's like, I'm out of here. I'm going to go pursue God. Yeah. And during the time that he was away at school, his symptoms subsided and then he uh-huh. was like feeling fine. Mm. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> In 1975, Frank returned home from work early one day because he was feeling shitty, mm-hmm. like really fucking sick. And he walked in on Audrey in bed with her boss. <gasps> in their Ooh, house? In their house. Uh, so obviously Frank was hurt by this situation. Yeah. And didn't really know what to do because he didn't, uh, like this is the first time that he knew of any of this stuff. Well, you don't really do that in the 70s. You do if your (laughs) wife is having an affair with her boss. Well, he didn't know what to do, so he turned to his now ordained minister of a son for advice. (laughs) Okay. And, I mean... Yeah, let's bring our problems to our child. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like, Mike was just kind of like, you know, maybe you should go see a doctor and... And uh, we'll figure things out. But he didn't really... I don't know what advice he gave about his mother sleeping with the boss. I couldn't find that information. But... Well, I feel like if you're, like, a Christian, you're, like, no divorce. So you're probably yeah, like, well, just work talk to her and work it out. Find mm-hmm. out what... Must be a misunderstanding. Find out how you're failing her and, you know, yeah. make it work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What did you do wrong? Yeah, yeah. Let's, like, figure out why she had to sleep with her boss. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-mm. So taking Mike's advice to go see a doctor again, Frank went back to the doctor and complained of severe nausea and pain in his stomach. And see, the doctor diagnosed. Is- oh, go ahead. Uh, the doctor diagnosed him with a viral stomach ache. This is why every hospital needs a doctor house to be doctor like. House, mm, this is know. questionable. <laughs> it could be one of these myriad, one of these hundred myriad of di like. Rarely diagnosed things. Yeah, or this one thing that could have been, like, pretty minor, but for some reason Mm. for you, it was, like, the biggest thing ever. Right. And you have, like, serious symptoms for this, like, mild thing. So many things can be wrong with you at 
any given moment. Oh my God, so many things. <laughs> and it could be a million different things. <laughs> it could be. So he, I mean, I guess the doctor probably gave him some medicine or something for his some like Pepto Bismol or infection. whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like, here you go. Here's some tums. You'll yeah. be better. <laughs> and of course, the symptoms didn't go away. Yeah. So he was finally admitted to a hospital where he had these tests are done. Like, these are so awful. How you can just like live with someone and just keep hurting them. Oh, what's that? You were saying that he's being hurt by someone. Well, I didn't want to say like house? blatantly what <laughs> what I was thinking. I didn't want to give it away in Weird. case people haven't caught up yet. But oh, interesting. How are you gonna like hmm. live with hmm. someone and do that to them and just see them like hmm. suffering every day? Ugh, it's so hmm. evil. Well, the tests came back and they indicated that he had a malfunctioning liver. Uh, so the yeah. doctors diagnosed him with infectious hepatitis oh my god isn't there like a test to prove whether or not it's hepatitis well it's basically uh hepatitis is just like your liver being all fucked up right well there are different kinds of hepatitis some cause like your organs to like swell yeah um, but I feel like there's like a test that says like I don't know what they test for, but I feel like it's like hepatitis A, hepatitis B, hepatitis C. But also this is like in 1975, so I don't okay. know what, the te- yeah, what yeah. exactly the tests are. They're just like um, livers Car- fucked up, hepatitis. Yep. Okay. Doesn't look good. Hepatitis. Stomach Carol hurts. Describe- stomach problem. You got a bug. Hepatitis. <laughs> <laughs> Carol described her dad's condition at the time. At this time, she said his face was really ashy colored and mm. his eyes were like really blood red. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, that's not good. That's not good. It's so not good that he unfortunately died <gasps> the morning of May 25th. Oh, God. And an autopsy was performed on his body with Audrey's permission. Yeah. It. It revealed swelling in the kidneys and lungs and a bi- and bilateral pneumonia, mm. as well as inflammation in the stomach. Did they do all a of- blood test? No, because all of these symptoms were also symptoms of hepatitis. So the cause of death was listed as hepatitis. Well, isn't she lucky? Isn't she lucky? Isn't she lucky? <laughs> Poisoning her husband, getting away with it. (laughs) She got away with it. (laughs) Oh, Audrey. Audrey Marie. So, naturally, as you probably would have guessed, Audrey had taken out a life insurance policy on Frank when he first started exhibiting symptoms. So, here's the other thing about that. Like, I know mm-hmm. it's probably, like, a mental illness happening, but it's, like, if you can't even, like, you're having a steady income that's decently mm-hmm. high, you mm-hmm. think you're going to kill your husband, you're going to get that life insurance policy, and then what? You're going to go right through it. Right. You don't like, have, he like, was a steady actually, income. He was, he was bringing in a steady income yeah. as well as you, so you have double income. Yeah. Now you have your income and whatever your payout is. Yeah, and then you're going to go through your payout, and then what? You're going to be fucked. Mm-hmm. So, Pretty much. good long-term thinking. Audrey Marie. Well, that's why you got to have a lot of kids so you can, you know. Murder them too. One by one. And a lot of husbands too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So after he died, she was able to cash in. Because that boss can't be giving her that much money. I don't know what the going rate is. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, how good is she? I don't know. Apparently she's pretty manipulative. 
So after his death, she cashed in on the $31,140, which in today's money yeah. is about 150000 It's like a decent amount of money, but I just feel like she could go You're through it go quickly. Through that. Yeah. Oh, especially the way that she spends yeah. money. She's going to get all new and furniture, she... like a car clothes yep. she immediately started spending mm-hmm. she bought a new car more <laughs> fancy clothes she bought jewelry she bought her mom jewelry yeah. she bought mike this is really weird she bought mike some fancy new appliance for him and his wife and then she got carol a car and a stereo and a bunch of other gifts That's so clearly favoritism maybe but it's- also it was said that she that her and carol didn't necessarily get along very well so oh. she might be trying to buy her love oh. by being like Come on, see, mommy loves you. I got you a new car and a new stereo. Also, Carol, don't get suspicious here. Mm Mm-hmm. So is Carol still living at home? Yeah, Carol's younger than Mike, so she's at home. Um, And shortly after Frank's death, Audrey's mother was diagnosed with cancer. Mm Mm-hmm. So Audrey decided to bring her mother into her home to care for her. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. She also invited Mike and his wife, Terry, to come live with them as well, which they were like, okay, because I guess Mike wanted to, or he had like a chance to get a job because he had moved away for the seminary school or whatever. Mm -hmm. And like there was some kind of like pastor job that was in his hometown that he could, you know, he wanted. So he was going to be like, well, we'll move in with mom, we'll save some money and then we can buy a house. Grandma's sick. We can like spend time with her. Exactly. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm, I hate it. Yeah. So it's a full house now because it's does Mike he and have Terry. Kids? Uh, no. Okay. He does not. Okay. It's just him and his wife. It's Carol and Audrey and Audrey's mother. And during this time, Carol and Audrey were just like constantly bickering. Mm. And Mike was getting really irritated with it, mm-hmm. obviously. He's like, I wanted just a peaceful place to come. Yeah, no. Like, I'm working. I'm trying to like figure stuff out. And his wife, Terry, started uh, complaining about stomach aches. Oh, God. And she had been hospitalized many times. Oh, God. And at, at one point, tragically, she miscarried. Oh. Um, Mike and Terry were like, let's get the fuck out of here. Yes, good. It's not good. So they were able to find their own apartment. He's like, that's funny, because when I was little and living with my uh-huh. mom, I had stomach aches, too. Yep. Good. Well, they were really happy in their new apartment until all of a sudden, Audrey's house mysteriously caught fire. <gasps> so now Audrey, this her bitch. mother, <laughs> her mother Lucille and Carol all had to move into Mike and Terry's new apartment uh-uh. until their house was repaired. N- no. <laughs> Hell no. So while living together, Audrey ran up a six hundred dollar ran up six hundred dollars in credit card charges under Mike's name. <gasps> she of course promised to pay him back, but that never happened. Well, yeah, with what money? Uh huh. <laughs> oh. After a few months of living together, the house was repaired, so Audrey and Carol and Lucille were able to move back home. If they had enough fire insurance to cover like rebuilding their house, that's some good insurance. Well, I don't think that the whole house burned down. I think it was just like some, damage. some fire damage inside. Yeah. yeah. Because, uh, yeah, she, like I said, she's like kind of a, 
a manipulator, a kind of a con artist. Because during this time, she apparently was also carrying on affairs with police officers Ooh. and like other bosses that she had and other people that she shouldn't have been with, each time somehow manipulating them to give her money. In one instance, she conned an old school friend who now lived in a different state to send her money by telling him that she had cancer and needed help paying her medical bills. Uh Uh-uh. And after he sent her a bunch of money, she said that she had been cured. That is horrible. Uh Oh, my God. Yeah, she has, like, mental illness for sure. If you claim to, like, have cancer and you don't, that's, like, mm -hmm. the most fucked up thing. It's fucked up. And a lot of people do it. It's, like, fucked up. Yeah. It's the Munchausen thing or whatever. It's either that or it's just, like, severe, like, borderline or, like, some kind of personality disorder where you just, like, need that attention and you're just, like, manipulating Yeah, I guess it depends on what your motive is. Yeah. Because for her, it seems like it's more about money than attention. Right. But... Just, like, a way to manipulate for, people. Yep, exactly. Ugh. And also throughout, during the during all this time, Audrey was, like, constantly calling the police, reporting that things were being stolen from her house. Okay. And, yeah, so, like, the police were very familiar with Audrey. Yeah. Because she called them, like, every day. Well, and she was, like, was, sleeping about with something. half the squad. <laughs> Sure. And she would also she would also call to report small fires being started in her house. So like like, people are like breaking in and starting small fires and stealing stuff. Well, this is the weird thing. Yeah, At one point, one of her neighbors called the police to report a small fire that had happened in her like bedroom closet. And that was like where it was happening in Audrey's. So it was like Audrey was like sneaking over to her fucking neighbor's house and lighting fires to be like, see, it's not just me. Someone is breaking into our houses, okay, lighting good. fires. Yeah, you got to cover shit. your ass. Yeah. It'd be too <laughs> suspicious, if it, suspicious if it was just happening at your house over and over again. Exactly. Right. <laughs> you got to spread smart. it out. Okay. She's smart. Wicked smart. Wicked smart. <laughs> <laughs> man she's fucked up uh oh this is just the tip of the oh, ice god okay <laughs> i mean not necessarily fucked up but like insanity yeah so three years go by after frank's death and mike is now living in this atlanta this all happened in three years like yeah. him dying she's like sets fire to her house moves in with her kid Mm-hmm. Okay. she's got cancer gets then money they leave. Has, like, <laughs> gets cured fires it's just all this stuff yeah it's a it's a okay. crazy busy three years yeah <laughs> so so you know mike's in atlanta talking to god or whatever yeah. and Aud- audrey and carol are living together well during this time audrey took out a life insurance policy on carol oh no carol for 25 $2, or about one hundred and twenty thousand dollars today how do you um, once not poli- learn? How do you not learn? Like you blew through that last check. I mean, it's worked so far. <laughs> yeah, but now you need more money. Well, she's always needs more money. That's just like the constant state of Ugh. her. So instead of seeking like help, you know, going to therapy or whatever, she's just going to murder everyone in her family. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I it's mean, the we all way to have our solutions to our problems. You know, I mean, she was able to do it the first time, so... Yeah, so clearly she has, like, no connection. She's another, like, motherly, you know, really motherly figure. Who is not really a mother? Yeah. Yeah. So, of course, once the policy took effect in August of 78, 
Carol, who was 19 at the time, oh, Carol. Um, began experiencing terrible nausea and stomach pains. Oh, hepatitis? Yeah. In fact, like she had a very severe reaction when she went to her high school's prom, which, okay, I'm not sure. <laughs> Some sources just gloss over it and they're like, yeah, she was at her prom when this happened. But then this other source was like, she was 19, so she was a freshman in college, but she, like, went back to her high school to go to prom. Like, maybe she had friends that were seniors or something. Cause mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe one of, like, someone you know, asked her who was a senior. But, I mean, I don't know. I remember at our school, you, like, weren't allowed to invite, like, anyone that was not, a high not school of student. high school age. Yeah. Well, I thought they had, <laughs> like, an age limit, though, didn't they? I'm guessing. I don't know. No, at our high times school, I feel like they were like, oh, you can't be, like... 19 or bring, older or something bring in your 30 year old boy yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but yeah in like the 70s or 80s it was probably like oh you're dating like a 40 year old that's fine bring him <laughs> probably but anyway nevertheless she went to this prom and you know she's like having fun whatever hanging out well i just like if i just feel like if you are like if you are a senior and you're still like dating you know if you were like high school sweethearts and then your boyfriend and girlfriend went off to college i don't think it's like bad to ask them to go to the dance with you yeah i'm not sure i'm not sure who she went with or if she just went with friends or what the deal was but she was there having fun dancing drinking smoking cigarettes you know what kids did in the 70s (laughs) yeah yeah but at one point she was like really feeling really sick Mm -hmm. and she started vomiting and then she like became violently ill to the point where she was like almost like convulsing on the floor oh god so of course they (sighs) rushed her to the emergency room well you know like the hospital how they take like a medical history yeah. Don't you think she could be like, oh, my dad had like the same. But I don't. But but see, he was diagnosed dead. with hepatitis. So as far as she knows, like, that's what he died from. Yeah. But when you have the same like symptoms as your dad and your sister-in-law and your brother when you were like growing up. I don't up, know. Yeah. I don't know. Because you like, I think you'd want to believe that your parents aren't trying to hurt you. <laughs> Well, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. So, like, that was the first time she was admitted to the hospital was during prom. And then after that, she was admitted um, many more times. At one point when Carol was in the hospital, Audrey came in with a syringe. And she insisted that a nurse had given it to her to give to Carol. No. To alleviate the nausea. When would that ever happen? (laughs) What nurse in her right mind or his right mind would be like, hey, you know what? I'm just like so busy. I've got all these other rooms to go to. I got the syringe already. Could you just like (laughs) go ahead and put this in? Hey, it's the 70s. You never know. (laughs) So, of course, you know, Carol, thinking her mom knows best, let her inject her with the uh, mystery solution. Oh, hell no. No. If anyone other than a nurse or doctor came into my room at a hospital and was like, I need to inject you real quick, I'd be like, (laughs) fuck you, no. No. (laughs) No. Uh, You know, and uh, so this was supposed to help her with her nausea. However, as you may have guessed, her symptoms were not alleviated and she actually felt much worse. So much worse that she actually started getting numb in her arms and legs. (gasps) Oh, God. Mm -hmm. That's terrifying. So doctors began performing all kinds of tasks. Did she tell them? 
hey, that thing that your nurse gave my mom to give me didn't help. No, because you see, her mom convinced her not to tell anyone because she told Carol that the nurse Mm -hmm. could possibly lose her job if she found out, if anyone found out that she had given her the syringe. Yeah, which is why a nurse would never do that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Carol thought that made sense. The nurse was like, you look like an honest person. Let me just Mm -hmm, give you the syringe. Have you ever But also don't tell anyone anyone and lie to everyone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Totally normal. I just like I understand it's her mom. And yeah, you'd Uh probably like believe your mom and trust your mom and whatever. But these lies are like so clearly outlandish. Hmm. Okay. Well, we'll see next time mom tries to give you an injection what you say to her. Okay. I will say this. Our mother has (laughs) never given me any injection ever. And I just feel like that's the way it should be. She never gave you an injection and told you not to tell anyone? <laughs> I just feel like that's normal. I don't know. I could be wrong, but. <laughs> well, the doctors performed all kinds of tests for you know, looking for different diseases and illnesses and yeah. nothing came back. So they were baffled. So they started to think that it might be psychosomatic. Oh, my God. Not that extreme. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I mean, I know our minds are like super powerful, but if she's like violently ill and then her limbs are numb mm-hmm. that would be well they were like we've tested we don't know we'll you test for probably more just things. a little crazy so they sent her to the psychiatric department oh, in God. birmingham's caraway methodist hospital and while in the psychiatric wing audrey secretly administered two more shots <gasps> to her daughter she should not be allowed in there <laughs> she shouldn't be allowed to see her daughter Naturally. And then, and of like, course, Carol uh, Car- Carol told, or sorry, um, Audrey told Carol to keep it between the two of them and that the doctors just wouldn't understand. She is evil. Like, so evil. <laughs> yeah. But Carol thought her mom was just trying to help her. So she was like, okay, that sounds oh, normal. Oh, Carol. Sure. I know. During the same time, Audrey's mother-in-law had fainted at church and was taken to the hospital. Not her mom. No. Her mother-in-law. Her mother-in-law. Shocking. Mm-hmm. Shocking. Carol was in the, ho- in the hospital for about a month when doctors said that she was most likely suffering from nal- malnutrition and a vitamin deficiency. Okay. If you're the- in the hospital, then you shouldn't be malnourished. They should be, like, giving you things that you need. Well, they noticed that on her fingernails she had white lines going across them yeah which is known as aldric mees lines which usually indicate heavy metal poisoning which usually cause malnutrition and vitamin deficiency which is why you get a lot of symptoms so they were like okay wait like, wait go to the on. first part though did they not or the... the heavy metal poisoning well yeah uh tell me someone hey. was like this means here's the thing oh god as soon as the doctors told audrey like we want to perform these tests Mm -hmm. because we think she might be poisoned or whatever audrey was like you guys don't know what you're doing she's been here for months you haven't figured out what's wrong with her we're discharging her so she took carol right out of the hospital oh god oh god but then the next day she admitted carol to another hospital at the university of alabama 
This is infuriating. So can, yep. So that they won't know what's going on and then she can continue her <sighs> ruse of trying to help. She's like, let me you paint know. your nails. We'll do like mother-daughter bonding. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to like paint your nails before we go to the hospital. It'll be cute. Well, I don't think that they told her about the nails. I think they just okay. told her about their suspicion. Right. Okay, good. And um, so Carol's admitted to the hospital. And while she's in the hospital, Audrey was arrested for passing bad checks. Good. You see, she had been passing bad checks to the life insurance policy on Carol. <laughs> yes. Good. So obviously this caused the policy to lapse. Yes. So she wouldn't be paid out if Carol died now. Good. Meanwhile, Carol's still in the hospital. Oh, Carol. When doctors there also noticed the white lines on her nails. Good. And they, being responsible doctors, ran tests on her hair which revealed arsenic levels ranging from over a hundred times the normal level close to the scalp and almost none at the ends of her hair. This indicated that Carol had been receiving larger doses of arsenic over the period of four to eight months. So shortly after this discovery, Frank's body was exhumed and upon examination showed elevated levels of arsenic as well. Good. So it was concluded that both Carol and Frank were victims of chronic arsenic poisoning. It sounds, I mean, it sounds like you have to be pretty poisoned before those lines show up. So I wonder if he had the lines on his fingernails. I'm not sure because I don't know if it has to do with like the amount of time that you're on it or like the the percent, like the high amount of dose. Right, because like it is. seems like maybe he wasn't being injected with arsenic. Mm. Mm, well who knows <laughs> mm, we'll get to that later oh okay but i mean it's not much but uh during the testing to she find was all injecting that out, her child with arsenic with arsenic yep not just like hiding yep. it in her food but like injecting straight arsenic into her yep Ugh, this is disgusting <laughs> yeah so you know Audrey is like in jail for check fraud, like waiting Good. her trial, her trial or whatever. But then on November 9th, she was also charged with the attempted murder of her daughter. Good. Not yet her husband, since they couldn't yet conclude that he had actually died from the poisoning. Like they could tell that okay. he was poisoned, yeah. but that that might not have been his cause of death. So they they have to do more testing. I mean, it's fairly recent. They at least have like her results and everything. Right. And police also found a vial in her purse that tested positive for arsenic. At at the police station? Yeah, I'm sure, like, whatever she was arrested with or whatever, she had, like, it in her purse. Of course. Of course. Don't you carry and of course, around a vial of, of course. arsenic and a you syringe? You never know when you have to case. poison some rats or whatever. <laughs> with a syringe. Good luck catching them. Look, I've had rats in this house that my lovely cat has brought in, and they are hard to catch. I will tell you that. And they don't no. fall for the little, like, rat trap here's a treat they don't fall for that shit well that's because you don't have a syringe of arsenic if you had that it'd be no problem <laughs> what tempt him out with a syringe <laughs> <laughs> the nurse told they me that it. you need this come yeah. on out <laughs> don't tell anyone <laughs> <laughs> otherwise you'll have to pay a copay and you don't want to do that this is free <laughs> don't say anything oh god so of course upon questioning audrey was very evasive yeah she like didn't directly answer things and was just like, 
whatever. But the detective was able to get her to admit that she had given both Carol and her mother injections. Of arsenic or just injections? Of arsenic. What? Well, but she, no, she didn't say it was arsenic. Right. She claimed that it was medicine that had been given to her by a nurse. What kind of medicine? Okay. <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> On November 9th, Audrey was released on bail because everyone basically pitched it like her, she like, you know, was telling her family and friends. No, that's that not the issue. Accused. The issue is the and, fact that the judge even offered bail. Yeah. That's the yep. issue. Yep. Well, she was able to pay for her bail. And um, where is her daughter? Uh, her daughter's still in a hospital okay. because at this point she like pretty much lost the use of her arms and legs. Oh, God. And is still, like, you know, suffering from the poisoning. So hopefully at this point she's not allowed, the mother's not allowed to see her. Yeah, she's not okay. allowed to go to the okay, hospital. Okay, good. But, uh, so Audrey's, like, free from jail, waiting her trial or whatever, and she checked into a motel under a fake name where she, and then she proceeded to make many phone calls to Mike and other relatives asking for money. And they were like, no, we're not giving you more money. We just spent all our money bailing you out. Yeah. Mike bailed her his mom out. Uh-huh. And then she vanished. Of course she did. Of course she did. In the motel room was a note indicating that she had been kidnapped. <laughs> I just feel like that's the stupid way to go. Like, <laughs> why wouldn't you just, I like... I feel like the smarter way to go would just be like, hey, I'm going to kill myself. Don't bother looking for me because I'll be leave, dead. Leave a suicide Kind of a note. thing. Okay, yeah. yeah. Instead of so, some like some like something dramatic. Italian mob yeah. came and took me away. Yeah. That's just dumb. But <laughs> well, go ahead. She's not the smartest. Okay. Well, okay that's as like the we craziest find thing. Out. Like pe- I feel like people just want to believe like good people want to believe that other people are just good. So they'll mm-hmm. believe like. You know, they'll, like, support someone and believe in them for, like, a long time. Yeah. While, and and they're just, like, being manipulated. Yeah. So, like, people like this yeah. get away with shit for so long because people want to believe that she's, like, a good person. And she's, like, right. a psychopath. Yep. Ugh. Okay, so, of course, so she's she been was kidnapped. listed. <laughs> she's been kidnapped, but yep. the police were like, I don't think so. So they yeah. listed her as a, fu- as a fugitive. <laughs> yeah, this is more logical. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So that was on November 9th when she was released and she ran away. Mm-hmm. So 10 days later on November 19th, Audrey's aunt's house was burglarized. <laughs> of the course. Thief, the thief took some clothing, an overnight bag, and a car. Did they leave a note then, being like, this was yes. definitely not Audrey? <laughs> kind of. The police found a note at the scene of the burglary <laughs> that read, do not call the police. We will burn you out if you do. We found what we wanted and we will not bother you again. We got the cute oh, clothes. Audrey. We got the overnight bag. We don't yeah. need anything like, else. Hmm. Someone took clothes that were exactly like women's Audrey's clothes. Size. <laughs> women's clothes. <laughs> and that's all they wanted. That's so weird. Mm-hmm. So weird. Very weird. <laughs> don't call um, the police. She's like so smart. And then the aunt's stolen car was found a few days later in Georgia with no signs of Audrey. Okay. Of course. On January she was kidnapped. 11th, she didn't steal it. Someone else she was did. Kidnapped. And then they went to her aunt's house to get her kidnapped clothes. Yeah, so I mean, you gotta have like an overnight bag. <laughs> gotta have at least a couple outfits to change into while you're kidnapped. <laughs> they don't want her to get all like stinky. 
That's true. You don't want a stinky hostage. That's yeah, bad. That's not fun. Mm-mm. Police won't take you seriously. Yeah, for sure. So on July 11th, 1980, Audrey was indicted in absentia for the murder of Frank Hilly. Oh, good. And sub- subsequently, investigators found that both Audrey's mother and Frank's mother had significant but not fatal levels of arsenic in their systems when they both died. Her mother with cancer was being well, poisoned. There's So she might not have had cancer. Oh, she God. might have just been poisoned by her daughter. Either so, way, either way, it's bad. If she yeah, did have way, cancer and she was being poisoned, that sucks. If she didn't have cancer and was being poisoned, that sucks too. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no winning. No. Police also investigated the remains of 11-year-old Sonia Gibson, who was a friend of Carol's and whose cause of death wasn't determined. But the tests revealed Sonia had a normal amount of arsenic okay. in her body, which like... I was like, what the fuck? There's a normal amount of arsenic in people. But then I was yeah. reading and apparently like soil and yeah. water and fish and like rice all have like levels of arsenic. Yeah, in there's them. heavy metal in like everything around us yeah. that we absorb. So yeah, for sure. So fun times. We have normal levels of arsenic. We're in all our body. like poisoned <laughs> continuously. But it's like such a mild level of poison that we're okay. That's what I'm saying, well, though. Like, like, things, like, everything in this world could just, like, murder us if our bodies aren't, like, the right level of, like, if our immune system's fucked up, like, yeah. anything could kill you, you know? So, this is, like, an intense world we're living in. <laughs> it's kind of fitting, though, that, like, the world, like, poisons us with organic arsenic and we poison the no, world. No, that's not with our right. We don't get our, to like, poison <laughs> the world. We need to, like, change I that. I think it's a give and a take. No. They poison us, we poison <laughs> no. them. No? Damn it. No. Uh, Speaking of keeping the earth uh, clean and toxic free, check out Humblebee Herbal's products. They have all natural, organic, and recyclable packaging and chemical free, and it's good for you and no arsenic. Everything that's given yes. from the earth, and then we can give back to the earth by not littering and destroying it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a give and take. We take the wonderful parts of the earth and then we give back by not destroying it so check out humblebeeherbal.com they're really good products they're really great for your skin you'll feel great great for the environment good all around check them out humblebeeherbal.com code crimeony20 at checkout for 20 percent off your first order okay that's amazing okay carol (laughs) okay but i i mean can you take out an insurance policy on like someone else though like i feel like that'd be weird no no but sonia was only one of many neighborhood kids who ended up sick after visiting the hilly house and drinking a beverage there so it seemed so like she just, she just like, kind of enjoyed poisoning juice. people mm-hmm and would just like offer she's like oh i know i don't i don't like with pulp but everyone else does yeah so. no, no, no. <laughs> it's not pulp that's or that's I arsenic. Have my own orange juice <laughs> you guys get the pulpy stuff yeah 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 okay mm-hmm. basically <laughs> So I guess it was pretty common for kids to have stomach aches after playing at the Hilly House. Oh my God, that's awful. Uh Uh-huh. So despite a massive manhunt for Audrey, she was able to stay hidden for more than three years. I mean, the 70s, where they're not like (laughs) tracking people that intensely. That's true. It's a little bit easier. And I feel like it'd be easier to get like a fake ID... Whereas now we have like our mm-hmm. real California IDs that have to have like all this hidden shit in it. Whereas before it was yeah. like basically a piece of paper <laughs> that like had your name on it. 
Yeah, just a laminated piece of paper. And like a sometimes like a low quality picture, but if you have like a military <laughs> ID, not even a picture. It's just like, yeah, right. this is me, oh, I yeah. swear. It's totally me. Totally me. I mean, have you seen a social security card? It's just like this flimsy like piece of paper with like a number <laughs> on know, it. Oh, I know. Like, when are they going to improve that shit? I don't know. Well, anyway, apparently when she first escaped Alabama, she went down to Florida and she changed her name to Robbie Hannon. She ended up somehow meeting a guy named John Homan, who was in the bu- the boat building or boat repair business, something about boats. You know how I don't know anything about boats. She told Neither him that her... F- yeah, no. So she like, you know, played the, the tragedy card and told him that her family had died in a tragic car accident in Texas where they apparently lived. Uh-huh. She, she's like, my husband and my two kids were in the car and they died and I'm all alone and it's been like less than a year and I'm just moving down to Florida to try and rebuild and mm-hmm. start over. And John bought the story and fell in love. Oh, God, John. (laughs) He was also recently divorced. And so he was kind of bonding with her over there. I get it. We both lost. They both lost families. Yeah. Yeah. So by March, she had moved in with him using and and then using a fake resume. She got a job as a secretary at an accounting firm. But that didn't last long. Probably fearing she would be found out since she was she used a fake social security number. Mm-hmm. She got that flimsy she, paper. Uh huh. Uh huh. But she was able to con- convince John to move to New Hampshire because she was like, "I want like a new life." And his brother lived in New Hampshire, okay. and so he was like, "We can get set up there. We can buy a house instead of living in." Yeah. Yeah. Be nice. And John was able to find a job at a company that made small parts for jewelry, whatever that means. Cool. And like little clasps odd, and stuff. Maybe. That's what I'm assuming. Maybe like chains or clasps or like little settings or something. Mm-hmm. And Audrey slash Robbie got herself a job at a place called Central Screw Corporation, <laughs> which I think is fitting since she loves to screw people over. <laughs> And she's kind of a screwball. And she likes to screw her bosses. (laughs) (laughs) All around. Good. All around. Great name. That was clever. So she was able to manipulate, I mean, charm most of her coworkers with her southern accent and her sob story of her family's tragedy. I mean, if only that's all it took. (laughs) The southern Mm -hmm. accent and the sob story. (laughs) (laughs) They loved it. Most of them did anyway. She also told them that she was part of a very wealthy family in Texas and that she would soon be getting some inheritance money. Uh, <laughs> does not bode well for John. Mm. She also complained of terrible headaches to her coworkers and told them that she had been she had been to many doctors but nothing helped. <gasps> Weird. As her time at the screw company went on, <laughs> her stories became more lavish. She told them that she was dying of a rare blood disease that caused her body to make too many red blood cells. Okay. She's just like jam-packed full of blood. mm -hmm, Too much blood. (laughs) Very thick. I'm guessing. I don't know. (laughs) And of course, you will be ecstatic to know that at some point during all of this, John and Robbie got married. I knew it! I was going to say they got married. (laughs) So you can stop hoping and dreaming for the beautiful union to take place. He put a ring on it. 
He tied that knot, locked it down. <laughs> Hitched up Hitched to her that wagon. Knot. Yo, yeah. And what a wagon she has. <laughs> Full of dead bodies. Ew. So, back to her complaining about being sick. Oh, yeah. Robbie would go out of town frequently, telling everyone that she was going for experimental treatments for her illness. <laughs> Fun. Okay. And nobody really questioned it because sure. they were like, okay, like, seems legit. You know, I'd probably do boss, the same. I'd go out and yeah, try her boss and would like do what I can give her the time better. off. Yeah, sure. Yeah, she was like, well, there's not nothing really here in New Hampshire. It's rare, so, so you gotta go somewhere. Yeah, where so I gotta go to like a big city. Yeah, right. So she also during this time began talking about her identical twin sister named <laughs> Terry Martin. At work, sometimes she would su- shut herself in an office, supposedly on the phone with Terry, getting advice on her marriage and like talking about her illness, just having like sister talk or whatever. Deja vu. Uh huh. No, I just had deja vu. Oh. <laughs> Did you tell me this story before? You might have heard this story before. Because this part gets kind of like, if you, if you. You'll recognize it from this part of the story. I feel like you've told me this before. I have like such a strong deja vu happening right now. Okay. Well, also her daughter-in-law was named Terry, and she's saying like her twin is named Terry. Okay. She's not that anyway, creative. She's not very creative. I mean, you know, it's better to only have to remember a handful of names. <laughs> yeah, that makes it more reasonable that, you know, she could probably carry mm-hmm. it off for longer. She won't get the names mixed mm-hmm. up. And she also supposedly found a treatment place in Texas near Terry. And oh, good. Yeah. So she was like, I'm going to go get some treatments and stay with Terry and Terry will take care of me. And John was like, oh, well, I'm your husband. Like, I should come with you. Yeah, obviously. obviously. To, like, make sure you're OK. Yeah. And she was like, oh, no, no, that's silly. Like, you know, you sister. need to like work. Yeah. She was like, you know, it's my, my twin sister. She's going to take good care of me. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want you to worry. You know, you can't like miss that much work anyway. And you got your brother here. And Mm -hmm. he was like a little upset about it, but he was like, okay, like I'm not, not going to push it. Cause he seemed like a very like timid, like shy guy who kind of just was kind of let her run. Yeah, Yeah. Like she was the one in charge kind of. So she decided to go to Texas to go visit Terry. <laughs> but obviously she didn't really go to Texas. She went to Florida. Okay. Again. I don't know what her draw to Florida is, but she went back she went down to Florida. Uh, there's some kind of draw to Florida for crazy people. <laughs> Something's yeah, happening in Florida. <laughs> and there she bleached her hair and found a job doing secretarial work for solar testing service under the name Terry Martin. She worked there for six weeks. So, like, during these six weeks, she was she would call John up on the phone and be like, you know, telling him how the treatment is going. (laughs) I I just don't understand. Okay, this is like the weirdest, wackiest bit of her story. Yeah. So, so she would call and like talk to John, and she would even like put Terry on the phone and like change her voice. (laughs) Yep. And so he was like, okay, like checks out. I'm uh, talking to both of uh-huh. them and she's doing okay. And, you know, she's getting her tests done and they're doing the experiments and stuff. I just don't understand. Like you're a fugitive. You're living in New Hampshire, which like mm-hmm. not very many people are. No one's going to go up there looking for you. You know, mm-hmm. you like married this dude. Why don't you just like live that life? She can't. She can't. 
She's too chaotic. She's just nuts. Okay. She's nuts. And so while, quote unquote, Terry Martin was working at this place, she told her boss all about her gravely ill sister, Robbie. And <laughs> and uh, <laughs> she, she told him that her sister had recently had a stroke and cancer and that she felt responsible for Robbie. Uh-huh. So she needs time so, off. Basically, so like, <laughs> yeah. So Terry, like, uh, okay. So one day, Terry called John, like, on the scheduled time to call. Yeah. And she informed John that Robbie had died. Yeah. <laughs> so of course okay. he was heartbroken. Yeah. I haven't seen my and wife in six weeks, and she's like trying to get this treatment. Every time I talk to you guys, it's like she's fine, and now all of a sudden it's like. She's dead. She's died. Yep. <laughs> okay. So then Terry, like, while she's on the phone with John, like, yeah, my sister, your wife died. But <laughs> the one thing, the one thing that Robbie really wanted was, was for, for me to, to come. Married. <laughs> was for me to come down to New Hampshire what to is meet this? you. That's so fucking weird. I don't know. It's very weird. It's very weird. Like either so... you want to be married to him or you don't. But you don't just like leave for six weeks and then you're like unless it was kind of like one of those things where she's like, Oh, I changed my mind, it was like actually easier to be married to him. Well, I don't know if it's like she likes the sympathy kick she was getting or if she was afraid she was going to be found out at her job because, once again, the social security thing happened where, like, I think, like, one of her bosses was kind of like, yeah, because I I think one of the bosses or someone at the work, like, she had given her social, her fake social security number and then they had come to her and they were kind of like, hey, so we tried to, like, input your card in the system and of course like during this time there's no computers that they're using so it's like it takes a while it it, it takes longer to process things so she was able to work for a while and then they were like something's wrong with the number you gave us and she's like oh that's really weird i wonder like maybe i transposed some numbers let me like try it again and i think she thought she was going to get found out and then she was like let me just make up this ruse about like me dying and then i can just replace myself with my twin come back here live with my husband so yeah i get it she can only live places for a certain amount of time before she has to like leave again because her social security is fake that's what it seemed like to me yeah but why go back to him i think she i don't know if she she really liked him or it was comfortable and i mean it's a good hiding place if you can hide like you said if you can hide in new hampshire under the identity of someone else's wife Who's going to be looking for you when you have a different last name? You have a completely different name. Well, and if he has like a somewhat decent job or whatever, then she doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. like have to work and risk her social security thing happening again and again. Yeah. Or it could be that she saw him as another victim and wanted to like get back on that and get his get some life insurance for him. Right. Yeah. He's just like a paycheck, basically. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's continue okay. on so- this wild ride. <laughs> So John was like, that sounds great, Terry. Come on down. Come on Love up. to meet you. Come on across. Where the fuck is... <laughs> okay. Florida to New Hampshire? She, no, she. but she said that she was in Texas. He didn't know that she was coming yeah, from Florida. Yeah, up and across. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he, so he goes to the airport to pick her up. And, and he's like, you look remarkably... <laughs> well, it was so funny. <laughs> like so your like, sister. She just like kind of walks past, like pretends like she doesn't know what he looks like. <laughs> and then, like walks past him. And he like is like, oh my God. That's that look. You look just like Robbie, except that she had bleach blonde hair, and she was a little bit thinner because during her six weeks she like dieted or something. Uh huh. And he all he also said that she like carried herself very differently than Robbie did. 
Mm-hmm. And they were identical twins, so like he was kind of like, well, they of course they look identical. They're identical twins, right? So he bought it, uh, and then Terry called her boss in Florida and told him that she was moving to New Hampshire to help out her sister's husband, and you know thanked him for the job. Yeah, and he was like, okay, I totally get it. Good luck. She's like, forget about the whole social security thing. No big deal. Yeah, don't, I'm just don't moving look up anyway, my so it's fine. I'm moving. <laughs> yep. So the day after her arrival, Terry and John went to a newspaper, a local newspaper, to put Robbie's obituary in. Mm-hmm. And the short obituary contained a bunch of made-up information. Of course. That would eventually lead to her downfall. Yeah, wouldn't I mean, you like? Her- her whole life is a downfall, right. but this leads to, like, her being caught. You would think you'd, like, keep it short and sweet, you know? Just like, oh, or just like, we lost a sister and a wife. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The end. The you end. will be missed. <laughs> nope. The end. Nope. So Terry and John also went to the screw company to go see Robbie's co-workers, which, like, I don't even know why you would do that. I just that. feel like because she's just trying just to rub attention. it in. She's just trying to yeah. be like, oh, I'm so clever. Let me just, like, mm-hmm. yeah, I got one over on you guys. I'm going to, like, really Maybe. rub it in. A lot of the coworkers bought the act, but a few of them were like, this, that, like, <laughs> this one woman was basically like, yeah, she was like, that is, that is Robbie. And the rest of them were like, no, she has a twin sister. Look, like she's dressed movie. different. She's got a different hairstyle. She's thinner. It's not Robbie. And she's like, bitch, that she's is like, Robbie. She's like, how hard like, is it to, like, lose some weight and dye, bleach your hair? Like, what are yeah. you talking about? <laughs> so... Uh, Terry moved in with John under the guise of both of them needing each other to mourn Robbie's death. Oh my God. John. And while there, Terry ended up getting a job in Vermont as a secretary. Meanwhile, back at the screw I will say this though, that it seems like Mm -hmm. that secretary school really did her like a huge favor because she keeps like being able to find work. So yeah, apparently she was like a good career move for her. Before all this happened, she was, like, a very well-respected secretary when she had her job and was living with Frank. (laughs) Yeah, seems like she's... Well, was she well-respected or was she just, like, sleeping with the right people? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, could be, yeah. The boss was like, she's the best secretary I've ever had. (laughs) So good. (laughs) Very thorough. (laughs) Very thorough. (laughs) Yeah, Uh. yeah. So meanwhile, back at the screw place, people were talking. The yeah. ones that were suspicious of Terry started to investigate. Well, I was going to say, too, like, I feel like she can only work places a certain amount of time because she's probably telling them lies, like, all day, every mm-hmm. day. And people are going to, mm-hmm. like, discerning people are going to start to get suspicious and be like, this isn't right. adding up. And a lot of people just, yep. like, dismiss it and just be like, well, she's just crazy, like, whatever. But some people might actually just be like, call her out on it. And then she'd have to be like... Mm-hmm. Okay, bye. I gotta go. My twin Basically. sister's ill. Gotta leave now. <laughs> oh, my. Did I mention that we? Did I mention that we're identical quadruplets? <laughs> <laughs> so crazy how that happened. <laughs> so, um, I'm I'm Terry. I'm not feeling too well. You might see Sherry later <laughs> when I die. <laughs> so, people at work that were like, Mm-mm, something mm-hmm. fishy. They began investigating, and they began with the obituary. Yeah, that's a good place in, to start. 
Yes, because I love in these the obituary, people. they're like detectives. Yes, this is so I fun. know, and they're just like, they're like, something's wrong. We gotta figure this out. Love Let's it. look at this. Let's do some research. So they grabbed the obituary, and it had said that Robbie had donated her body to the Medical Research Institute of Texas. Why? Which, after a very quick search, they realized that place never existed. Okay. Like, pick a real place. Yeah. First of all, just don't even say anything like that. Just don't. Why would you? To be like, oh, she's such a great person, so she donated her body to science. You could just leave it at that. She donated her body to science. Why are you going to name somewhere? Also, if you're going to name somewhere, make sure that place exists. Like, how hard is it to find somewhere, like a hospital, that would actually... Yeah, Mm -hmm. no. A research hospital. so dumb. Okay. They then tried to locate the church the church that was talked about in the obituary that Robbie was supposedly a part of in Texas. So she wrote like up this obituary church. to be like, she was uh-huh. such a great person. Uh-huh. Adding like all these yep. unnecessary details. What an idiot. Yep. Okay. And they they found out that that church never existed. How hard is there it? Wasn't, there wasn't one in like where, where she okay, said it it's was. It's Texas. There's got to be a church on like every street. How hard is it to <laughs> right? pick a real one? And just pick a saint. And you got Literally. it. Literally. <laughs> St. Francis. There's got to be one somewhere. There's got to be like six in one town <laughs> in Texas. Exactly. I don't know. I don't know. The Church of Jesus I mean, Christ. Done. I mean, it's not like you can like Google it back then, but at least at least pick something. Or don't, like you said, don't put anything. Yeah. Don't put details. If you want to, you could be like, she donated her body to science. She loved to go to church every Sunday. Mm-hmm. She was an avid church member. The yeah. end. The end. But nope. Nope. Then they checked the obituaries and death certificates in Dallas around the time she supposedly died. And guess what? Nothing. They didn't find shit. So the gossip at the screw place <laughs> leaked leaked into the town, which eventually got to the police. And the police were like, hmm, something's not right about this situation. Yeah. And Detective Bob Hardy of the Keene Police Department began his investigation. He, too, used the obituary as a starting off point, and he also found it to be... so dumb. Yep. He basically concluded what the screw people concluded, and this is all made up shit. Yeah. So then he started reaching out to other police departments about this mysterious woman, and... The New Hampshire police thought that she might be a woman named Carol Manning who was wanted for for robbing a bank and fit the description of Terry Martin. Mm. But they discovered they were two different people. Okay. Then they thought she was a woman named Terry Clifton who was another fugitive who was wanted. So they're like pretty sure she's a fugitive. Yeah, they're like okay. something's not right. Right. Like, she's making up all this shit. Why would you make up all this shit? Nobody really knows her. She came from nowhere. Like, she's saying she came from here, but nothing that she's saying is true. Right. So, on January 12th of 83, police went to Terry's place of work in Vermont and apprehended her. When they asked what her name was, her response was not one that they had anticipated. They thought that they were, she was going to say, like, one of the two women that she, that they thought she was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She told them her name was Audrey Marie Hilly and that she was one. And that she was wanted in Alabama for passing bad checks. What? Oh, question. Did she serve uh-huh. her time for the bad checks thing? No. She, remember, she ran away. She was like, they like arrested her. And then she was like released on bail awaiting her trial. And then she she just vanished. Well, I thought it was bail for the murder thing. 
Well, it was bail for the checks and oh, the attempted murder. Okay. Mm-hmm. Initially, it was just the checks, and then when they found out that uh, that Carol was being poisoned, it was attempted murder. Okay. And then for whatever reason, they gave her bail for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So when the cops reached out to the cops in Alabama, they discovered that she was actually wanted for much more than just check fraud. I'm surprised that she gave them that information. Uh-huh. Did she too. honestly think that it was just the check fraud thing? I'm not sure. Or maybe she thought like, oh, if I admit this, they're just going to be like. They won't look any further. Right. Yeah. Like, okay, she, like we can find, we can look it up. It says check fraud. We'll just like maybe try her here for check fraud. I have mm-hmm. no idea what her plan was. Yeah, this but whole time it, it's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. So January 19th of 83, she was brought back to Anniston, Alabama and was being charged with passing bad checks, attempted murder of Carol, and the murder of her husband, Frank. Good. By this time, Carol, her daughter, had mostly recovered from the poisoning oh, and wow. wanted wanted to believe that her mother didn't mean to poison them. Yeah, of course. So her and her mom talked on the phone almost daily, and Carol went to visit Audrey in, in jail. And her mom's like, here, no. let me give you some injections. The jail <laughs> yeah, nurse yeah. gave me the <laughs> jail nurse <laughs> to give to you. It's good luck injections. <laughs> so... <laughs> This obviously worried the prosecutors because they really needed Need Carol on their side. Yeah. For t- exactly. Yeah. And the well, defense... Well, even though the dad seems like a pretty open and shut case, like he clearly died from arsenic. Who else yeah. would be giving him arsenic who got the insurance money? But yeah, you really want um, like a solid yeah. case. Yeah. It's more solid with her testimony. For sure. So the defense tried to make Carol seem incompetent and that perhaps she had poisoned herself. What do you mean? That, well, they claimed that she was on drugs and a homosexual. So, you know, a straight up so, devil worshiper. Obviously, she's insane because she's a homosexual. Well, yes, obviously. Yeah. And she apparently attempted suicide on multiple occasions. So they were like, so she's, she's not <laughs> responsible somehow because she's gay and tried to kill herself. Well, she's responsible. Well, she probably tried to kill herself with arsenic because, you know. And she accidentally injected her daughter three different times. No, no, no. No, no, no. Carol, the daughter, they're saying that Carol poisoned herself. Yeah. (laughs) They were like, Carol is a homosexual who does drugs and tried to commit suicide on a couple of occasions. So she probably just poisoned herself. Whoa. Whoa. And her mom's like, yes, let's go with this defense. Well, Carol was basically like, yeah, I've smoked pot, but no, I'm not a drug addict. (sighs) Yes, I've engaged in homosexual acts, but no, I'm I'm not mentally unbalanced. Yeah. And yes, I tried to kill myself, but the attempt, but the attempt before, uh, Uh, oh she said um yes i tried to kill myself but like the attempt before her mother was arrested was basically i mean she had taken five tylenol (laughs) it's like okay you're not gonna kill yourself to try and kill herself yeah well regardless if she did try and kill herself like you're not gonna do it with arsenic over the course of like months no if you're trying to kill yourself you want it to be like you know quick and ideally painless yeah you're not going to be like, yeah. let me just keep injecting myself and hope that one of these days 
I'll die in this painful way. And then she also way. said that, right. Well, because she also said that like the other suicide attempts were basically just her trying to deal with the physical and emotional torment caused oh, by the poisoning. God. Yeah. Yes. If you're in pain, it's like you're not in your clear mind. Uh-huh. Oh. And then Frida, Frank Hilly's sister, testified that Frank told her that Audrey had given him injections. Oh, no. And a nurse at the hospital testified that uh, that she saw Audrey give Carol injections at the hospital. Uh, then you report that? Yeah, that would have been good, right? Uh, yeah. At least let her Audrey's- doctor know. Well, Audrey's defense attorneys denied that this happened and said that Frida, the sister of Frank, always hated Audrey liar, liar, and was just saying fire. this to hurt her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. What Audrey forgot to tell her defense attorneys was that when she was when she was initially arrested before her escape, she had been interviewed by a detective and that interview had been recorded. <laughs> yes. On the recording, Audrey admitted to giving Carol multiple injections, uh. claiming that they were anti-nausea meds that had been given to her by a nurse but she also admitted on tape that she might be mentally ill and need some help. <laughs> so the defense began to crumble. Although, Audrey's son. I mean, <laughs> here's the thing though about that. Like if she admitted on tape to a police officer that she might be mentally ill, then they should have just gone insanity. Right. Like she wasn't in her right mind. She didn't understand what she was doing. Right. Or you could even gone like multiple personalities. She thinks that she has like a twin sister. You know, I feel like there were other ways they could have played it. So Audrey's son Mike testified about their financial hardships grow- growing up due to her spending all the money mm-hmm. and how she ran up credit card charges on under his name. And also how he had become violently ill before leaving for the seminary. Yeah, I wonder how he feels about all this. Like... His sister was so, mm-hmm. oh, she was, like, stuck in that house for longer and, ugh, yep. yikes. And he said that he truly believed that Audrey had poisoned him, his dad, and his sister. Yeah, that's got to be tough to admit that your own mother tried to and murder then, you and your sister and murdered your oh, father. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. like, caused your wife to have a miscarriage and tried to murder your wife? Like, mm-hmm. God. And your grandmothers? <laughs> so during all this time when um, she was questioned about the injections, she she told them that a very specific nurse, like, she named a nurse. <laughs> of course she did. That had given her these injections. Yes. And that nurse was very happy to come testify. Yeah, of course. And the nurse said that she had never, ever nor would she ever give anyone syringes. <laughs> was it the same nurse for both her husband and her daughter? Well, no, I mean, I think it was, she just claimed that someone, she just claimed that I think that like the injections at the hospital, like for her daughter were given to her by a nurse because she didn't think that anyone knew about the husband except for when her sister-in-law testified. I can't believe she named a real nurse though. Yep. Oh yeah. She called him out. <laughs> 
and they were like, uh, actually, no, we don't uh, do that. That's hell like, no. I don't want to get fired. That's and so that, irresponsible. Like, we, would, we would just never do that. That's not something we do here. Yeah. Not only would you get fired, but like you're endangering someone's life by like letting yeah. someone else inject them. They don't know what they're going <laughs> to yeah, hit. No like, no. Way. Oh, and poor old John. Oh, John, John. He said he had no idea that Terry and Robbie were the same person. Oh, John. Nor did he know that she that this person was neither Terry nor Robbie. Oh no. And yet somehow, despite the evidence, he still supported her. Was he ill as well? I didn't find any reports that he was sick. Okay. Oh, he didn't get any vitamin injections. <laughs> so far he's fine. Okay. It took the jury three hours to deliver. I just feel like if your own children, like if you're with someone and their children are testifying that like, you know, you're first of all, you're going to their trial. They're on like a murder trial for their ex-husband yeah, and attempted murder for but, their child and their children are testifying and you're just like. I know it just goes to show and, you how strong manipulation can be. But and then yeah, and then you know that not only is she not the person that she said she was, but she's not the twin sister of the person that she said <laughs> she was. She's someone totally different. Like she's already majorly lied to you, and you're like, no. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I mean, he, he basically he was yeah. It wasn't. Well, like, you're not no, going to want to admit like, that to yourself. He was like, like uh, I guess she's a very ill person, but yeah. she's my wife and I love her. Yeah, I get where I'm he's also, coming from. He's, he's also like probably kind of glad that she didn't die. <laughs> yeah, he's like yeah. I mean, he's he just sounds like a good person, but it just sucks that people like her exist that just mm-hmm. use people who have like a good heart. For sure. Ugh. Definitely. Yeah. So the jury came back with a verdict. Uh, guilty as fuck. Audrey Marie Hilly was found guilty of attempted murder and murder. Mm-hmm. She received a life sentence for the murder of Frank and 20 years for the attempted murder of Carol. But obviously, Audrey claimed her innocence during the entire hearing. Sure. On June 9th of 83, Audrey entered Tutwiler State Women's Prison in Wet- Wetumpka, Alabama. Hmm. She was assigned a job as a data processor and was classified as a medium security prisoner. Okay. Despite despite reports that she talked constantly of escape <laughs> and had reportedly made plans to break out, <laughs> she was reclassified in 85 as a minimum security prisoner. How? Which, which made her eligible for passes to leave the prison. Okay, what guards is she sleeping with? <laughs> exactly. Or the fucking warden or whatever. Probably. I mean, that would make sense. Yeah, sleeping for passes. Okay, so in late 1986, her first eight-hour pass was approved. How? She murdered someone and tried to murder someone. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Well, that pass and three others came and went with no trouble. I just feel like, how? Mm-hmm. If uh-huh. you're mm-hmm. if you yeah. are found mm-hmm. guilty of murdering a person, mm-hmm. never ever should you get out ever. And people are going away for pot for life yeah. and not getting. They're to not go getting out. day passes. <laughs> nope, Fuck. nope. But if you, as long as you're just sticking to murdering your family, it's okay. Yeah, let's get you Apparently. a day pass because not you're just talking about escaping all the time. Like it's fine. Yeah give her a day pass oh you know she women like, like to talk they're so chatty all the time talking about everyone. escape plans <laughs> oh i'm sure it seems like her prerogative 
So, you know, she's ha- she had a couple passes, and every time she would return promptly on I time. I feel like this is leading up to something. Oh, is it? <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> well, by February of 87, she had qualified for a three-day furlough. Here's the thing. Here's the other thing. Not only... <laughs> What's the other thing? Not only was she, like, found guilty of murder... She uh-huh. was a fugitive. Like, she yep. literally skipped bail and ran away. Yep. And they're yep. like, we can trust you. Yep. What the <laughs> fuck? What the fuck? Well, because I guess, like, during her time in prison, she was, like, you know, acing no, it at her little regardless. job that they gave her. And she was, like, a model prisoner. No. And <laughs> Regardless. No. Well, on February 19th, she left Tutwiler Prison for the last time. You see, Bullshit. John had re- John had relocated to Anniston, Alabama, John. to be close to the prison, so he could visit his wife often. No, John. And so, whenever she would have her day passes, he would pick her up, and they would, you know, have their little family time. And you know, that was probably another off. reason why she got passes because they're like, oh, her husband is like close by. Uh-huh. She just wants to go and... see him. Yeah, mm-hmm. he'll make sure she gets back. Right. Yeah. Ugh. So. Uh, on the three-day furlough, John and Audrey went to a hotel like usual. They were hanging out and, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. When all of a sudden, she Audrey... She, Audrey got kidnapped <laughs> by bears. <laughs> they left a note. No. She, it was like the last day of her furlough, and she told him that she wanted to go visit her mom's grave by herself. And he was like, okay, should I come with you? And she was like, no, no, I want my own time, you mm-hmm. know? And he was like, okay. So they planned to meet at a restaurant after, you know, mm-hmm. I, like, they're like, okay, meet at 10 o'clock at this restaurant. We'll get breakfast and then we'll go drop you off or whatever. And so he went to the restaurant mm-hmm. at the time and she wasn't there. Shocker. Shocking. Mm-hmm. So he went back to the hotel and guess what he found? A note. A note. Oh! <laughs> was she kidnapped? The note read, I hope you will be able to forgive me. I am getting I am getting ready to leave. It will be best for everybody. We'll be together again. Please give me an hour to get out of town. <laughs> she also wrote that a man named Walter was going to take her out of town <gasps> and that she would fly to Canada and then contact John later. Okay. Does Canada have extradition? <laughs> I'm like, sure. Like why are you going to Canada? Why does she do anything? Also, once again, this would be a great opportunity for a suicide note. Sorry, I just can't go back to that place. Don't come looking for me. I will be dead. Right? <laughs> once again. Yes, you're right. Well, she at least she didn't go the that. kidnapping route this time. But <laughs> Okay, other thing. Maybe it was misdirection. Mm-hmm. Like, she's not really going to Canada. Instead, she's going to, like, Brazil. Mexico. Yep. Mm-hmm. It could be. We don't Is know. Is it? We don't know? We Well, we do know, but oh, we okay. don't know. I okay. mean, we don't know what her plan was. We right. really don't know what the plan was. Okay, but what happened? So John called the sheriff Yeah. when he found the note. Good. And was like, uh, we got a problem. Did he give her an hour? And, and <laughs> No. Okay. And given her, hi- given her history, authorities assumed that she had had a well-crafted plan of escape and that she was probably okay. out of the state. Like you said, given her history, <laughs> she should have never been allowed days out of prison. Mm-hmm. Not hmm. just because, like, fuck her, she murdered someone, but also because, like, fuck her, she was a fugitive. 
The story well, is so dumb. Angela, if you think about it, it's like it's Audrey Marie that did the murdering. So, you know, Terry and uh, mm-hmm. Terry Robbie. and Robbie want to go on vacation. They don't want to spend time in prison. Ugh. So you got to let them out every once in a while. I forgot they were triplets, identical triplets. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hate this. It's so dumb. It's just so dumb. It's very dumb. But uh, so a few days go by. No one's seen her. Mm-hmm. No one's, you know. But on a rainy, cold February day, police got a call from a house or to a house. And a woman named Sue Craft, it's her house. She called the police and said that a strange, delirious woman was on her porch and she needed help. The woman had told her that her name was Sellers and that her car had broken down uh-huh. and she was suffering from hypothermia. Ooh. Because during this time in February, even though in Alabama it's usually really hot, it was like a very a particularly wet and cold mm. week, mm-hmm. week and a half that she was missing or whatever. Sue Craft did not recognize the woman as Audrey Marie Hilly, Though she had known Audrey years before, but like she looked like shit apparently and was like, like, you know, on death's door. She looked very different. She didn't recognize her. She went to someone's house who knew who she was and gave them a different name. Yeah. I mean, she probably didn't know that this person lived there. She was just like, you know, suffering from hypothermia and like crawled onto someone's porch and was like, I need help. Crazy. And so, like, the ambulance came and uh, the, the cops and ambulance came and everything. And within a few minutes, though, Audrey had lost consciousness and began convulsing. <gasps> From and hypothermia? Then, uh-huh. Fuck. And then her heart stopped in the ambulance on the way to the hospital. Oh. Ooh, yeah. Nobody knew how long she'd actually been wandering around for. But her body temperature had fallen to 81 degrees. Ooh, that's cold. Yeah. Very chilly. Yeah. And, <laughs> and poor, poor Audrey Marie, who had always aspired to be wealthy and well-connected, died a lonely death at the age of 53. Wow. Very near her childhood home. So she was like in the neighborhood of, her, of where she grew up, I guess. Who is who is the Walter person? Are we going to find out? There is still talk about whether there was someone actually named Walter or someone that was supposed to help her escape, but yeah. maybe they had backed out at the last minute. Yeah. Or if she had just like made it up, like they don't know. No one has come forward to say like, I'm Walter. I was going to help well, her. Well, who would? Then you're like <laughs> aiding a fugitive. <laughs> you wouldn't come forward. And also there's, like, questions about, like, where she actually was those, like, seven days that she was missing. And the way that she was, it seemed like she was very disheveled and, like, covered in mud and, like, cold and wet. So she's, like, like, camping out, maybe? She had been, like, maybe, like, wandering around the forest. I don't know. Weird. And so on February 28th, 1987, Audrey Marie Hilly's children buried her beside Frank Hilly, the husband she murdered. Fuck no. <laughs> no. So. Fuck that woman. I would like to think that Walter mm-hmm. was scamming her, was a real person, and was Ooh. just like scamming her and was like, give me some money. I'll like help you out. Mm. I had I cancer, had but you get- <laughs> miraculously cured me of my cancer. And now I'll help you get out. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't. I mean, whether or not she had money, I bet John was like putting money. Oh, sorry, honey. Was putting money. I kind of crushed Tobin the door. <laughs> um, <laughs> was putting money in like her commissary or whatever. She could probably get money from him and then give it to like this. This is just what I would like to believe is that. I mean, she it's got believable considering her fuck history. That bitch. Oh, I don't know about her being scammed. I, I would know. like to think that she was just because she scammed everyone else. Maybe because, I mean, she would only be able to reach out to people she knows. And if they know that she's kind of. Well, unless she knows someone in prison who's like, I know someone who can get you out. Let Maybe. me like link you up with this person. That that could have been a, a thing. Because especially well, if she was like especially if she was known to be talking about escaping and making escape plans yeah, in prison. Yeah. So I bet someone could have set her up. But then the other part is like why or maybe it was just one I don't of those know. things. She just doesn't like, make any sense. Like she was just like, Yeah, my my brother Walter out, outside of prison will totally like pick you up and drive you wherever and yeah. Walter's like yeah I'll totally do that for sure and then like ends up getting a little too drunk one night and forgets to pick her up or he's up like oh like, you meant this Saturday oh, oh shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah it could have been one of those things or it could have been I mean the fact that she was able to just move to Florida adopt a new name find a new husband like yeah. almost immediately it seemed like she had no problem talking her way into things right but maybe it got to the point like maybe she would kind of like lost that well or like got well especially like if if she's in her hometown and people are looking for her there it's probably a little i mean that's probably why she was kind of hiding in the the woods or wherever she was outdoors like trying to be low-key yeah figure it out but then it got too cold and wet yeah and she got hypothermia well she was crazy (laughs) fuck her no (laughs) The tossed salad and the scrambled egg. A tossed salad, a scrambled egg. The tossed salad. A tossed salad and the scrambled egg. A scrambled egg. So a tossed salad is someone who clearly knows right from wrong and chooses to do wrong anyway. Right, so the tossed salad has more components. The person is able to com- compartmentalize. And a scrambled egg is someone who can't tell right from wrong, and they're just completely scrambled. Just one component, one track mind. They're all kinds of mixed up. There's no focus. They're disorganized. So what do you think? Toss. How much egg is in her salad? I think she's just a tossed salad. I think she's just like a manipulative sociopathic bitch because Mm. as a child she didn't have consequences she probably never Mm -hmm. learned empathy she Mm -hmm. could just do whatever the fuck she wanted to the fact like to the extent that she didn't even form bonds with her own children like it seemed like she couldn't really like connect with people well yeah because like you said if if her parents were like that to her, then that's normal for her. And she didn't have a, a much of a connection with her parents other than like, these are the people that give me gifts and bring me things when, you know, but and never punish me. that's what parents me. do. They just like mm-hmm. buy you stuff. The end. Yeah. Oh, and Carol, uh, the daughter, ended up making like a full recovery and she's got use oh, of her legs good. and arms. And like... Good, because she, sometimes her, that like long-term... Yes, Poisoning. it took her a long time to be able to build up, ba- build back up her muscles and like be able to. Well, because 
I don't know if it's arsenic or the other one. What's the other one? It's always two. It's like either arsenic or it's cyanide. Cyanide. Okay. There are plenty. One of them, one of them like eats holes in your bones, like replaces the calcium in your bones. So people who get whatever one that one is, people who get it when they lose like feeling in their feet or whatever, then that can be permanent and you can like never get that back. So the fact that she got full recovery. Yeah. Fully recovered. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure she has like still some side effects or whatever, but like she went from basically a normal teenage girl to being yeah. completely immobile and like hospitalized and like having everyone has to do everything for her and all because can... of her mother uh-huh because her mother wanted some more fur coats or something <sighs> yikes that's a huge yikes <laughs> yikes <laughs> yeah so have you heard that have you heard of this before I think I did. I don't know it's where. It's the twin thing, right? The twin, the twin thing, thing is the... Yeah, yes. the twin thing like, is just like, just like, why? What? Like, what? why? So elaborate. What the f- <laughs> like, why? I'm going to play my own twin sister. She's like, look, I got, elaborate story. I got tired of playing Robbie, and <laughs> yeah, her Robbie's character was just kind of like getting old. Mm, it was really it was. stale, one-dimensional, nowhere to go from there. So mm-hmm. I had to bring in... Like, how how early on in the relationship <laughs> did she inform him of the twin? Just when she kind of got bored or like... I mean, it seemed like from the time that she met him to the time they were living together and married, it was very quick and it seemed like when i mean when she was at work she was like talking to her sister on the phone all the time and like what like establishing this i don't know (laughs) it's so weird i mean i guess for an escape plan you just want to have that backup (laughs) i don't know just like invent a bunch of people that you can become (laughs) it's so weird it's so weird i just yeah Maybe she is a little tossed. I, I mean, scrambled. I don't know. That's just bizarre. So bizarre. Well, that's what I'm wondering. I'm like, it, yeah, she's manipulative. And it seems like she's like making these choices. But at the same time, her choices are a little scrambled. They're very scattered. But I feel like I feel like that just happens, though. Like like we talked about before, when you have no consequences for your actions, mm-hmm. you don't really have to be super logical. And if you're not really taught to be logical... Then you're just kind of like flying by the seat of your pants and just being like, this all makes sense to me. Like, it's fine. People are going to well, buy yeah, it. And, and then people never buy been it. Yeah, because you've never been questioned. So you would like say it with such conviction that they're like, oh, she does have a twin sister. Who would make up a twin sister? Like, that's so outlandish. fly out of town, quote unquote, die, and then fly back as another person in your story. <laughs> it's just so bizarre. It's like she got bored being Robbie mm-hmm. and needed like to spice up yeah, her because, character. I mean, Terry was like a little bit more fun. You know, she's like bleach blonde <laughs> hair, like Texas girl. Like, yeah. She like wore, she wore like more flashy clothes. She's like a skinny and, bitch. She gets to yeah, like. Yeah, she was skinny <laughs> Party. <bitch. laughs> she was way more fun. And Fuck Robbie. she didn't have Terry. like a car accident where her, chi- her children and husband yeah, died. Yeah, that's a real bummer. That's like depressing. Real bummer. You yeah. don't want to have to carry fun... that forever. No. Yeah. You want like a no, more Terry fun personality. No. Ter- Terry had like no baggage. She was just fun. Well, times. except for her dead sister. But well, <laughs> she tried to help as much as she could, and she's only trying to respect her dead sister's wishes by hooking God, up with her husband. It's so weird. 
<laughs> but that okay so then that makes me feel like she has something like some kind of personality disorder where she doesn't have a personality Definitely. and she gets yes. to just be whoever she wants and then she's bored being this person so then she's gonna like turn into this person all of a sudden right right wow. and like she immediately like every time would just like move immediately get a job with a, a different name and a different social security number and like be set up for like couple months and then bail and then move and then do the same thing i mean it sounds like antisocial personality disorder because she was just doing like illegal shit and it didn't bother her you know mm-hmm. she just like broke well, yeah, the law when, when they arrested her and she was like oh yeah or when they were questioning her and she was like oh yeah I'm, i wrote some bad checks and it was like bitch you like killed your husband and almost killed your daughter yeah <laughs> and then her thinking that she can just get away with shit by just explaining it away, like, oh, the nurse gave me the syringes. Here's the nurse's name. Thinking the nurse yeah. isn't going to be like, uh, no. No. No way. <laughs> or that they're not going to question her because, like you said, if no one's questioned her, then mm-hmm. it's like, oh, well, it's it's a little bit more believable when you have an actual name and right. have, like, a description. Like, well, yeah. okay, yeah, I know that nurse. That's like a real Like the person. name of a fake church. She's like, they're not going <laughs> to look into this. Well, not. It's like, it's in a different state. They're just going to assume <laughs> People aren't going to look into it. Why would I lie? I'm Terry. Yeah. (laughs) It's just crazy. It's like, so that's why I feel like she knew that she was doing wrong because she tried to like cover up for what she was doing, but she didn't do a good job of covering up for what she was doing because everyone believed her lies up to that point. So it's kind of like, I'm like super believable. I'm like really good at this. I'll just, and if she'd given injections to her husband before, uh-huh. and wasn't caught and nobody questioned her, then why would it matter if she did it to her daughter? Mm-hmm. But John was never injected with anti-nausea. He was. He felt fine. <laughs> I guess she was just using him. Because I don't think she could have collected insurance money, right? Because she would have had to turn in her information and then her information would have been found to be false. So she could. it wouldn't help her to kill him. And then he just like provided her with, you know, a place to live and probably some money and support or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Poor John. Poor John. I mean, you know, poor Carol and Mike and yes. Frank and her yes. mom and his mom. <laughs> but also poor John. Yes. All of them. <laughs> it's like anyone who gets in contact with a person like this, it's like mm. that is horrible for you yes. that sucks so much yes and the fact you that she was through... able to like interact with this many people it was like it's like what the fuck happened to this justice system like how is she let out how is she offered bail ever and then how is she like offered time off of prison like no well, what's really interesting like you like now that i'm thinking you you saying that she had no real personality because like john married Robbie lived with her mm-hmm. and then she supposedly died and then he got with Terry and they lived together and he said that he had no idea yeah like they they kissed differently they like did like had different mannerisms they like of course like they had similarities because they're identical twins so of course they're gonna like <laughs> look the same and maybe like have a few mannerisms that are the same but mm-hmm. like he was like you know she dressed differently she wore different makeup she like was a completely different person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she maintained that with like living with him and not slipping up. Yeah. Yeah. Cause she just became that other personality. So crazy. Super crazy. Whew. That was quite the tale. <laughs> I know. Well, it's... did you, did you see that thing that went around? I don't know how true it is, but it's like, 
these identical twin boys were like separated at a really young age or at birth or whatever and then like 30 some or more years later they like met up and they both like were married to a woman named Beth and divorced her and then remarried a woman with like the same name again and they both had like a dog named like the same name and like their houses were the same or something and like their their yeah, so, like it was really. I mean, crazy. sometimes so, that twin connection is so strong, like mm-hmm. I've, it yeah, could I've be believable. Really but well, I mean, most of her coworkers believed it, <laughs> except for the discerning ones that were like, yeah, oh, except for the ones that were like, I don't think bitch, so. that looks like Robbie. But then, like, why would she go? Why would she do that? Like, just I to don't prove know. to herself that she like had changed she, like, so much. In I don't know, because she, like, walked in and, like, introduced herself as uh, as Terry and, like, oh, my sister told me all about you guys and, like, you guys were special to her and she just wanted me to, like, come by and, like, meet you all. And it's, like, she could have just not said anything, put yeah. a very generic obituary in the yeah. paper and still been on the run. But then her, like, le- like... Her leaving that note, basically like, don't be mad. Give me like an hour or whatever. Like, she knew what she was doing. She yeah. knew that she shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. I just don't know why she had the opportunity to do that. Like, I just don't get it. I don't get yeah. it at all. Why are you releasing a convicted murderer? And who, like the when her daughter was in the hospital, the first one, and they were like, hey, we think she has like metal, heavy metal poisoning. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm just going to move her. Like, why didn't they report that? They should have reported that to the police being like, hey, I think this woman is murdering her daughter. <laughs> really, though? You have like a, well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know where that line is. With like HIPAA for medical personnel. Yeah. With like yeah. HIPAA. But I think like. I don't know. Don't you have to report? Like, so I know social workers and teachers and stuff, if they suspect abuse, they have to report it to police. But also, I feel that like was like there's the something. Se- that w- but this was like the 70s and like I mean, early that's 80s. Yeah, they that's true. That, like, HIPAA didn't exist and there weren't really. Well, and any, I don't like, know what medical personnel, because you're supposed to be able to like tell them anything, basically. Well, yeah. But also, like, I don't know. Obviously, like, murder is bad any way you go about it, but like, this woman is like slowly poisoning yes. her family for yes. like days and days, knowingly like, making them living with Ill them and watching them suffer and pretending that, takes, that she's like, helping a them. Special kind of like evil. Mm-hmm. Instead of just like one bullet to the head or whatever, just exploiting their like, trust and being yes. like, "Oh, I have this medicine for you that will help you." All the while, she's killing you. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Poisoning is just like so evil. It's so evil. Fuck. Wow, that was... you enjoyed my tale. That was crazy tale. (laughs) Let's do yours. Okay, so now I'll tell you my story. Okay. I don't know... I don't know how this is going to go. It's either going to be like scattered and rambling or Mm -hmm. it might be good. I don't know. Okay. (laughs) So just bear with me. Okay, I got my information from Wikipedia... The Guardian and all that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I read like a bunch of other things that just said the exact same thing as these other ones. So okay. it like was not helpful. So <laughs> Sylvia Celeste Shoemaker was born on October 19th, 1936. Also going back to the 30s. Oh. To William Lee and Celeste Shoemaker. 
I'm just Will, thinking those little shoemaker, the little, what is that? The little elves. Story, the little elves that yeah, are like making that shoes. Yeah, <laughs> make the shoes at night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, William had several jobs, mostly like sales jobs. He was a mail deliverer. He was in jewelry sales. He was vice president of a major freight line. And Sylvia grew up in Kansas City, Missouri, and was raised mostly Catholic. Mm-hmm. She started seeing visions at five years old. Uh-oh. Another article said three. And she said that her grandmother was a psychic medium. So she, okay. like, helped her deal with her visions. And oh. her great uncle was also psychic. Okay, so it's a family thing. Everyone's usually it is. Usually it's an inherited thing, I think. Uh-huh. But so in 1959, she married her first husband, Gary Dufresne, and they mm-hmm. had two sons, Paul and Christopher. Okay. In 1972, they got divorced. In 2007, he gave an interview to... Just moving right on up. Okay. To Robert Lancaster of StopSylvia.com, which is no longer a thing. She gave an interview? No, he did. Gary did. The first husband, Gary. The husband, okay. He said that one evening back in the early 70s, Sylvia held a tarot party, or a tarot party, however you say. Tarot party. At their home in San Francisco. Mm, yep, would be. Mm-hmm. He said, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I like tarot readings. Mm-hmm. They're fun. Mm-hmm. He said, I said to her as we were washing dishes and she was wiping, I said, Sylvia, how can you tell people this kind of stuff? You know it's not true. And some of these people actually are probably going to believe it. And mm-hmm. she said, screw them. Anybody who believes this stuff ought to be taken. How do you feel about that? She's a bitch. What? (laughs) No, the cards just tell you. They just give you insight on what you're thinking. Like how you respond to them is just like a reflection of how you're feeling at the time. I think Uh they're cool. Anyway, in return, after the interview, Sylvia called him a liar and a dark soul entity. But at least the asshole gave me children. Wow. That's what she had to say about her first husband. It's not the asshole that gives you children, but uh, (laughs) anatomy wasn't, you know, taught in schools, I guess. I mean, it wasn't part of her psychic gift. (laughs) No. Mm -mm. She's like, I predict that they come from the asshole. She had other gifts. Okay, so she divorced her first husband in 1972, as I said. And Mm then in 1973, she married her second husband. His name is Kenzel... Dalzell Brown. Wow, Kenzel Dalzell Brown. Kenzel Dalzell Brown. Okay, mm-hmm. nothing uh, wrong with that. Okay, go ahead. And then one article said that she took the surname Brown on her third marriage, but her second husband had the last name, so I was like confused on either why she would have waited or, or maybe it was just a mistype. I, yeah, I don't know. And then he spelled it B-R-O-W-N, like the color. The traditional way. And then later <laughs> she changed it to B-R-O-W-N-E. Ah. So I don't know what her deal is. Okay. <laughs> and then, so then obviously she was married a third time and then she was married a fourth time. Wow, lady. Sylvia. Jeez. Uh, okay. 
on February 14th, Valentine's Day in 2009 Romantic. to Michael Ulery, who was the owner of a jewelry store. Michael Ulery? I was going to like literally Ulery joke about jewelry? like, yeah, what does he own? Jewelry? <laughs> <laughs> Michael Ulery. Ulery's Jewelries. Ulery's okay. Jewelries. That's perfect. <laughs> so, okay, so we're going to go back in time to 1973 when she married Kenzel Dalzell Brown. The second husband. That's when she began giving psychic readings. Uh-huh. Uh, in 1986, she founded a Gnostic Christian church in Campbell, California, Known okay. as the Society of Novus Spiritus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> On the website, it says that Sylvia received a graduate degree in English at an unidentified school. Mm. And totally believable. Worked as a Catholic school teacher for 18 years before training as a trance medium. Well. You don't need any kind of credential to teach at a Catholic school. You do not. <laughs> and, uh, all right. <laughs> yeah. So she's an interesting character. Like, I mean, calling a Christian church a Gnost- like Gnostic Christian isn't just that, like, a given? If you're Christian, you believe in God? Uh, I guess... As opposed to the more free agnostic agnostic Christian church. Yeah. Where you're not really sure if you're a Christian or not. I don't know about this, but that Jesus cracker does taste good. I mean, I could believe it and I could like not believe it. Mm -hmm. I'm on the fence. I'm on the fence. You know, (laughs) I guess. I don't know. (laughs) She also claimed to have observed heaven and angels. She professed. Now I don't believe her. (laughs) She professed an ability to speak with a spirit guide named Francine. (laughs) Cute. And she also perceived a wide range of vibrational frequencies. Okay. So, according to the New York Times, Sylvia claimed that she was able to glimpse back centuries into the past so she could speak to. To the dead, and her abilities helped various police departments solve numerous murders and locate suspects previously unknown. Did she really? Allegedly. Well, when missing congressional intern Chandra Levy was found mm-hmm. dead in Washington's Rock Creek Park, yeah. Brown quickly took credit for predicting the discovery. But police had already been searching in the area since May of 2001, so she could have just seen that they were searching in the area and then claimed that her body would be found in that area. Oh, no, no. I have a feeling Francine to told you. her. <laughs> Francine. <laughs> uh, she also published over 40 books, which wow. a lot of them were written by ghostwriters or were uh. collaborations with authors Uh but a lot of them made it to like the new york times bestseller list and stayed there for like a long time and sylvia was if they were like all about her adventures and talking to spirits yeah they were they were all like her like medium books Hmm. 
Sylvia was also a frequent guest on a lot of TV shows and radio programs like Larry King Live, the Montel Williams show. (laughs) She was like always on Montel. And that's incredible. And Uh Coast to Coast AM. Uh, I was going to ask if she talked to Art Bell. Coast to coast. Yeah, she was quite the celebrity psychic. That was such a great show. So during these appearances, she she usually discussed her abilities, and then Mm -hmm. she would perform readings for the audience members or callers. Oh. On certain occasions, she was paired with, like, skeptics. Dicks. They would like uh-huh. also be on. So it'd be like, oh, deal with this skeptic or whatever. Mm-hmm. So then they would have like a debate about whether or not she was really psychic. And then she'd have to like defend her honor. And she'd be like, I'm getting like, I'm sensing the letter C. Yeah. Does the letter C mean anything? Yeah. The number three. Three and so C. So that's what called that cold reading, which is what yeah. a lot of psychics do is they just keep throwing yeah. stuff out there until, until you like, like get on oh, something. I, I relate. And then they like throw mm-hmm. out more. And then, yeah, it's crazy do you remember that show like crossing over with john edwards yeah do that and it was like the whole room and yeah he's like i'm getting the letter m like the letter m and the color red maybe it's an n m or n or b maybe a b well my my dad's name my my dad passed away and his name was charles that starts with a c but he liked red and he's like like, yeah 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 that's it charles what i'm getting but charles maybe like Knew someone with an M or yeah, an N. I'm still getting an M or an or N. Or a B. But definitely liked red. <laughs> he like definitely liked red. Definitely red. <laughs> yeah. 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 So so she also had her own hour-long online radio show on Whoa. Hay House Radio, where hey. she would perform readings and discuss paranormal issues. Oh, can I, w- I wonder if these are like things you can like you know there are a lot of videos online that you can see i don't know if you can find her radio shows but there are like clips i'll get into why Mm. (laughs) there are still like clips of her on the montel Mm -hmm. williams show and stuff so uh sylvia was also head of the sylvia brown corporation and sylvia brown enterprises and as of 2008, she charged $750 for a 20 to 30 minute telephone session. Shit. I think I found my calling. I can do this. I can do it. I can ask C's or B's. I got it. I got yeah, this. Yeah, you could do cold reading. And yeah. then in a 2010 interview, Brown, uh, Sylvia's business manager said that her business earned $3 million a year. Ooh. Are you looking for interns, Sylvia? Yeah. And the one article I read was really good because this person had, like, heard of Sylvia for so long. And she would do, like, these cruises where people would pay, th- like, $4,000 to go on this cruise where she would, like, conduct sessions and then she would, like, call names. And you can ask her, like, one question only if your name was called. And she'd, like, give you an answer. So this person, like, went on the cruise because they were, like, they wanted to interview her. But she, like, would refuse to give interviews after a certain point. So they were, like, well, maybe on, like, the off chance I can get an interview, I'm going to go on this cruise. And they, like, wrote, like, this amazing article about it. So it's, like, one of my sources. So definitely, like, read it because it's, like, so interesting. So during the late 1980s, the FBI and local authorities began investigating Sylvia and her businesses for fraud, 
Uh-oh. as her roster of books, media appearances, and CDs were raking in millions of dollars a year. Yeah. So they were like, something's going on here. And Sylvia at one point charged the Thibodeau Police Department $400 for psychic analysis of a murder case in 1997. Wow. But her work... She just, like, shows up with a receipt. They're like, we didn't even hire you. Who are you? They may have consulted her, but, like, what she had to offer had no impact on the investigation. Like, it didn't help at all. So they're probably like, I'm not paying you to, like, throw out some random shit. You didn't want to know that the perpetrator's favorite color was blue? Yeah. I don't understand (laughs) how that's not useful to you. Yeah. She also claimed that the FBI wanted her testimony on the World Trade Center attack of 1993, uh, but there's, like, no documentation at all that the FBI ever wanted her help at all. (laughs) The Uh FBI did label her a self-proclaimed psychic, and they investigated her Nirvana Foundation for Psychic Research years earlier, for violations of federal law and applying for loans from federally insured financial institutions for over a million dollars. Wow. She had taken out several bank loans that caused sustained losses to the banks. Oh, shit, and, that's a lot of money if it's affecting the bank. Yeah, and the government was more interested in the fraudulent documents, including income tax returns and financial statements that said that her net worth was, like, much bigger than it was so that she could get the huh. loans. And they were like, um. Oh, And then they said that she used the loan money to support her lifestyle and didn't, her like. lifestyle? Yeah, her extravagant lifestyle. Uh-huh. Ultimately, though, the U.S. attorney chose not to prosecute the FBI's case, saying there was insufficient evidence. Uh. So they stopped looking into her for that. But Mm. the FBI did end up going after her in 1992. Uh, Sylvia and her husband at the time, Kenzel Dalzell Brown. Oh, I love that name. I know. Kenzel Dalzell (laughs) Brown. They were indicted on several charges of investment fraud and grand theft. Oh, the Superior Court of Santa Clara County, California, found that Sylvia and her husband had sold securities in a gold mining venture under false pretenses. And in at least one instance, they told a couple that their $20,000 investment was going to be used for immediate operating costs. But instead, the money went right into an account for their Nirvana Foundation for Psychic Research. Uh, what's the plan here, Sylvia? Well, Sylvia pleaded no contest to securities fraud and was indicted on... Oh, wait, sorry. And then they, the couple each received one-year probation, and Sylvia had to do 200 hours of community service. Wait, why did they get probation? Why did they get... Why were they charged with anything? No, she and her husband. Sylvia. Sorry, Sylvia and... and uh, Kenzel. Gotcha. I thought yeah. you were talking about the couple. That no, no, no. Yeah, she stole twenty thousand dollars, and then they had to go do <laughs> because two hundred hours in a, of community service. It was put in some fraudulent funds, so they were punished. Yeah, no, no, nothing like that. Okay. Uh, so community service. So okay, she got off yep. easy. Slap on the wrist. So despite that, all that 
Sylvia cultivated a huge following. Like, people were all about her. Mm-hmm. In 2007, she had a four-year wait list for telephone readings. Wow. For the wow. $750 20-minute. So I'll she's tell got a fucking four-year guaranteed money. Just pick yeah. up the phone and call the person back. For 20 minutes? For 20 minutes. Yeah. Fuck, dude. Let's do yeah. that. Yeah. So... <laughs> Not like you're scamming people and ruining their lives or anything. Whatever. They're just paying for you to say something nice about their dead family. Like, it's not that hard. So that same year in 2007, <laughs> that's when she had her cruise happening where she would, like, give psychic readings. And, yeah, so she was doing, like, good for herself. Sounds like it. However, because she was such a public figure, she made like a lot of statements that were proven false that were like really horrible. So I'm going to tell you some of the things Uh that Sylvia said. Okay. So uh, remember she like helped the police solve like so many cases. Yeah. Well, this is some of the stuff that she was involved in. So on October 6th, 2002, 11-year-old Sean... Hornbeck disappeared while riding his bike to a friend's house in Missouri. Four months later, his parents went on the Montel Williams show because they were like, we need help. It's been four months. We haven't seen our kid. We need information. We need to get his story out there. Right. So Sean's such a shitty, horrible place to be. Yeah. Sean's mother, Pam, asked Sylvia, Uh is he still with us? And Sylvia said no. Uh-oh. And Pam broke down. I mean, it's a good guess. 50-50. Yes or no. And so, chances are you haven't seen him in a while. Probably no. So Sylvia said that Sean was buried beneath two jagged boulders. Jagged and boulders, she said okay. that he had been kidnapped by a dark-skinned Hispanic man oh, with mm-hmm. dreadlocks and was now dead. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. She was like, she was like, you can watch this clip. She was like, yeah, he has dark skin. He's like really dark skin, but he's like, his, he's like a Hispanic man and he's got like long hair. And this is weird. He's got like dreadlocks, even though he's like Hispanic. Oh, okay. So, and your yeah. son's dead, basically. So this oh. mother, you know, goes on the Montel Williams show, yeah. just like, I need, I need something. I need help, like anything. And then and she, Sylvia's like, well, he's dead. And she just like loses it. But yeah, what happened understandably so. was four years later in 2007, Sean was found alive and living with his kidnapper, Michael what? Devlin, in Kirkwood, Missouri. His what? kidnapper was... was what? Nothing go on. His kidnapper was a white dude who had short hair at the time of the kidnapping. Well, you know, he changed his outfit. He changed his skin outfit? Yeah, you yeah, know, he's like a reptilian person or whatever. Put on oh, a that's skin right. suit. <laughs> so I'm Sean's... Gu- I'm guessing you're going to get into whether he knew his kidnapper or not. No, I'm not going to get into it. I mean, that could be like a story for another time. I don't know that he did. Wow. I don't know. But it reminds me of the, um, what's his name? The story I did before. Oh, yeah. The Stainer. Stainer. Yeah, Stainer. And the dude like took him. He didn't know him. He like kidnapped him. And then the kid lived with him for like years. Yeah. 
but so it's, it's like Ariel, like, Ca- like Ariel Castro or whatever. It was like, but it's so rare that a kidnapper like takes someone and then keeps them alive for that long. Yeah, that they don't like. It's not just like a parent, you know, like a parent taking their kid back right. or whatever. Right. Where they would just like, of course, they keep them alive, but they're like kidnapping them. But like a stranger, that is that is terrifying. But it happens. It happens. So Sean's parents told journalists that one of the lowest points was when Sylvia Brown told them that their son was dead. Yeah. His father, Craig, told CNN, hearing that was one of the hardest things we've ever had to hear. And then at that point, you're like, okay, a psych- if you believe in that, if you believe the psychic knows, then you mm-hmm. kind of like, well, then I guess we're looking for a body. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of giving up. You'd be you- devastated. Yeah. Like you're just and, trying to hold on to hope and then you're like, oh my God, the psychic yeah. is like, no, there's no hope. Right. Oh, she's awful. She's so awful. And speaking of Ariel Castro, remember Amanda Berry, one of yeah. the kidnapped women mm-hmm. in November of 2004, Sylvia told her mother that, oh, and I quote, Amanda. she said, she's not alive, honey. This was 19 months after Amanda Berry had been kidnapped. So Sylvia also claimed that Amanda Berry was in water and that Uh she had visions of Amanda's jacket in the garbage with DNA on it. (sighs) Two years later, Amanda's mom died. (gasps) And she... She was found alive in May of 2013. So she never knew that her daughter was still alive. She just died and then, thinking her daughter had died. Yeah. And then there are interviews with Amanda Berry when they like watched on TV that mm-hmm. happening. And she just like she just saw her mother and wanted to be like, no, mom, I'm still alive. And she was so right. mad. She was so mad at Sylvia for telling her mom that she wasn't alive. And some people think that her mom died of like heartbreak because she was like missing her yeah. daughter so much. And it was just like, she's never coming home. Yeah. And horrible. I, and like, I mean, being her and seeing that on TV, it's kind of like, yeah, you see like your mother breaking. And then also you're like, they're not going to come looking for me anymore. Yeah. Because yeah, like if my family TV. has concluded, yeah, if my family has concluded this, and everyone else is watching this and sees that, mm-hmm. they're gonna just assume, okay, well, let's not, especially years and years and years and years mm-hmm. after. And how like, okay. upset would you be? You're like, oh my god, here's hope to like get my message mm-hmm. out to my mother. This person's gonna be like, no, she's still alive. Like you got to keep looking for her. And then you just be so devastated to hear her be like, oh no, honey, she's dead. And you would just Ugh. be like, I'm st- I'm here. Like, I'm still fucking alive. Wow. So, yeah. So those are some of the stories. We'll get into some more that this bitch said. But in 2010, the Skeptical Inquirer, which is like a publication, they mm. published a detailed three-year study by Ryan Schaefer and Agatha Jadwis. Whisk. Okay, it's try again. <laughs> it's J A D Y I S Z C Z. Okay, Jawizauk. Jawizauk. Jadwizauk. 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 Okay, cut out whatever ones and pick one that sounds better. Okay, Say anyway. Say his whole name again. 
Agatha, so her. <laughs> Agatha Chad Wisauk. I, I thought you were saying his name was Chad Wisauk. No, Jad Wisauk. It's all one word. Agatha, Agatha Jad, Jad Wisauk. How would you pronounce S Z C Z? I don't know. Anyway, so a three-year study published by these two people mm-hmm. that examined Sylvia's predictions about missing persons and murder cases. Hmm. So Sylvia claimed that more than she was like more than eighty-five percent correct, but the study found that. Sylvia had not been even mostly correct in a single case. (laughs) Not a one. Wow. The study compared Sylvia's televised statements about 115 cases with newspaper reports and found that in the 25 cases where the actual outcome was known, she was completely wrong in every (laughs) one. And in the rest where the final outcome was unknown, her predictions could not be substantiated. Right. So the study concluded that the media outlets that repeatedly promoted Sylvia's work had no visible concern about whether she was uh, untrustworthy or if she was like harmful for people. Like, how are you not correct on a single one? And then in one of the articles and the one that the, the person on the cruise wrote, I think it was that one, but it was basically like, yeah, chances were if she said that the person was alive, they were dead. And if she said they were dead, they were alive because she was like, never correct, like ever. And that's a 50-50 chance. (laughs) So, yeah. And she was like, always wrong. So another one of these cases that was examined in this study. You know, I I think the spirits that are getting giving her information are fucking with her. That's the problem. Well, Francine's a little liar. Yeah, Francine is to blame here. I think that's the real problem. (laughs) Francine's playing tricks on her. (laughs) So in 1999, a six-year-old little girl named Opal Joe Jennings disappeared from her grandparents' front yard in Texas while playing with her cousin. A man pulled up, grabbed her, threw her into his truck, hit her when she screamed, and drove off. Oh, my God. A month later, her grandmother went on the Montel show, and she said, this is too much for my family and me to handle. We want her back. I need to know where Opal is. I can't stand this. I need your help, Sylvia. Where is Opal? Where is she? Sylvia said, okay, she's not dead, but what bothers me now, I've heard of this before, but Uh she was taken and put into some kind of slavery thing <gasps> and taken into Japan. What? The place is Kukuru. <laughs> Kukuro. And then Montel asks, Kukuro? And the whole audience is like, what the fuck? And then Sylvia said, so she was taken and put on some kind of boat or a plane and taken into white slavery. Mm. Later that year, though, Opal's body was found buried in Fort Worth, Texas. The pathologist concluded that she had actually been murdered the night that she went missing. Yeah, which is usually what unfortunately happens. And a local man named Richard Lee Franks was convicted. So I think it was it's a plant. It's not really her body. She's in Japan. The. The lizard people left a. It's just like so trick. nuts. Like, why go into that great of detail? Why you you know just yeah. to 
no or yes. I mean, don't well, it's say kind of like the Hispanic like, dude with the dreads, or yeah, like oh, she's adding in Japan. unnecessary detail that's easily on or easily provable. If like, yeah, but she like keeps concluded. doing it on these shows. You'd think that Montel would be like, okay, this is like, but this is pretty I mean, harmful. It goes back to my story. What we're talking about. If I mean. It seems like everyone's just willing to be like, okay, we believe you. Like, whatever she says, people are, like, interested. Well, and she's writing books and selling things. And people are having her on TV and on radios. Like, she's uh, she's thinking, I'm hot shit and whatever I say is believable. Well, one of the reasons why she became so popular and well-known was because Montel kept having her back on. Because she was, like, entertaining. But if he right. had any responsibility at all to his fellow human beings, he wouldn't have had her on after, like, well, all this shit's going down. I mean, he's... It's TV. It's the the point is to entertain. He's got to find... Well, like, and I guess, like, years later is when they're being found. So maybe he's just like, well, I didn't know, you know? Well, yeah, but also... I don't know. You're Like I said, his show is about entertainment and entertaining people. And that's yeah, pretty fucking entertaining to have so someone hurtful. predict... Thi- of course. I'm not saying it's right. It's but so I'm saying hurtful. I can see why, why like, Ugh. it was fine for TV. The day of I talk mean, shows. Oh, Golly. Yeah. Miss that, staying home from school, watching trash talk shows. Here's another one that she got wrong. A a young woman named Holly Crewson disappeared in 1995. She was working as an exotic dancer in a Hollywood nightclub. In 2002, her mother Gwen went on Montel Mm. and asked about her daughter. And Sylvia told her that Holly was alive and well and working as a dancer in a lap dancing club on Hollywood and Vine. So Gwen immediately flew to Los Angeles and Mm -hmm. frantically scoured the strip clubs, asking everyone, dancers and club owners and just like people going, everyone, if they had seen Mm -hmm. her daughter. She was handing out flyers like she was spending all this time and energy out there. But Holly was actually dead and unidentified in San Diego. Shit. So in 2006, dental records were used to positively identify her body. So all this time, she could have, like, I don't know. She could have been, like, circulating, you know, missing person flyers and, like, checking with police or, you know, having, like, a detective on the case looking for her. But instead, she was, like, hopeful that her daughter was, like, at a strip club, like right. Sylvia had told her. Right. Here's another one. In 2000... Oh, <laughs> in 2000, Sylvia claimed Linda McClelland, who had disappeared in 2000... 2002, did I say in 2002? She said that... Uh, Lin- Linda was taken by a man with the initials MJ and was alive in Orlando, Florida and would be found soon. Okay. In 2003, McClellan's son-in-law, David Rapaski, who had been present at Sylvia's reading, was convicted of murdering Linda. Her remains were found near her home in Pennsylvania. (sighs) So, so much for MJ. Dude, dude. I mean, come on. Francine is fucking with you, Sylvia. Get it together. Here's another one. Oh, my God. In 2004, Sylvia said that Ryan Catcher, who was a 19-year-old who disappeared in 2000, 
She said that he had been murdered and his body could be found in a metal shaft. In 2006, Ketcher's body was found in his truck at the bottom of a pond where he had drowned. Well, I mean, a truck is kind of like a metal shaft. Is it? It kind of is. It's metal and you're like inside and it's a truck. So it's like long. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'd say that's the closest she is to being right. He was dead and in a metal shaft. So It's pretty good. No. One one for Sylvia. No. In 2013, Schaefer published a follow-up to his, like, she never got it right ever thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he looked at 33 more cases in which Sylvia was mostly or completely wrong. (laughs) And she was mostly accurate in none. And one more, one more of her being like totally wrong. On January 2nd, Uh 2006, an explosion at Sago Mine in West Virginia trapped several miners underground. The following Mm -hmm. day, Sylvia was a guest on the radio program Coast to Coast AM with George Mm -hmm. Newry. Oh, yeah. Okay. At the start of the broadcast, it was believed that 12 of the 13 miners trapped by the disaster had been found alive. And when Nuri asked Sylvia if the reported lack of noise from inside the mine might have led her to think that the men had died, she replied, No, I knew they were going to be found. Later in the program, it was discovered that the earlier news reports had been wrong. And Sylvia said... I don't think there's a body, anybody alive, maybe one. I just don't think they are alive. Adding subsequently that she did not believe that they were alive. I did believe that they were gone. So first she's like, I knew they were going to find those guys. And then she's like, they're all dead. Yeah. And then they're like, actually, that was wrong. And she's like, I knew they were dead. I knew it. Of course. See, see, the thing is, I think that she's that um, Francine is like communicating to her like in mirror style because it seems like like if she just goes opposite of what she's saying, then it's more true. So I think that's her big, big issue with Francine. You know, spirits, sometimes they're just like turned around. But it seems like she just like never caught on to the fact that Francine (laughs) was fucking with her. No, no, no. No. <laughs> so uh, the last prediction that she got wrong was mm-hmm. about her own death. So on Larry King Live in 2003, oh. Sylvia predicted that she would die at age 88. In March uh-huh. of 2011, the Society of Novus Spiritus, the Gnostic Christian church founded by uh, Sylvia, mm-hmm, announced mm-hmm. that she had suffered a heart attack on March 21st in Hawaii, and they requested donations on her behalf. Mm-hmm. Then, on November 20th, 2013, at age 77, Sylvia Brown died at Good Samaritan Hospital in San Jose, California. I mean, it was a double digit. That was the same Don't number. Don't give her so anything. She, once again, I mean, she shot a little high, but I think that's pretty spot on. So I guess recently her name is like coming up because celebrities are like tweeting that she predicted in one of her books, the coronavirus, because apparently she said in 2020, there would be like a pneumonia like virus that would appear and then it would just like disappear 
all at once. And then in 10 years, it would like appear again and then be gone for good. So a bunch of celebrities are like, oh, my God, she was like, right. But I guess the apparently one thing she was right about. <laughs> yeah. But then like some people are like, no, she's not right. Because the thing that she's describing is more like the like SARS thing. Mm-hmm. It was more like that disease that came about. And then other people are kind of like, yeah, I mean, chances are we were due for some kind of like big illness outbreak. So like, was she really accurate? But like. She was wrong about so many things and she hurt so many people. It's just ridiculous. And then like in that one, you should like go read the article because it's so good because I guess like on the boat, when the people would ask her a question, they'd be like, oh, is my son ever coming home? And she'd be like, no, your son's never coming home. Just they're a narcissist. Just leave them. Just forget about it. She like told everyone that day that the person they were talking about was like a narcissist and they needed to like leave them and be out of their life or whatever. And then like the next day, or like two days later she was in a better mood I guess and then people were like asking about their people about like people and, they- and she'd be like oh they're coming back or whatever it was just like depending oh, on the, the day fuck? and then one person like asked her a question and she was like oh well you're it's like you're a relative like so and so is getting in touch with you and they were just like thanks Sylvia and then the the guy was like did that was that helpful for you and she's like no I have no idea what she's talking about I don't have a relative <laughs> with that name like I've never had a relative <laughs> with that name so she was just like fucking nuts and like people believed her bullshit that's the thing though it, like I was just saying about with Montel Williams it's like for entertainment's sake I think it's fine but if you're like talking to people's like families and they're looking for missing people that's fucked up yeah and you claim to like help solve like cases and stuff and you've like never helped anyone (laughs) and people are like looking for you for to help them or like i don't know and then there's like a clip of the montel williams show where this woman goes up and she's like she's like i just i've never been able to find my husband or my boyfriend or something We've, like, not been able to find his body. I just want to know if, like, I'll ever find him. And she's, like, she's, Mm -hmm. like, no, honey, you're not going to find him. He's in water. And she's, like, he died in 9-11. He was a firefighter. And she's, like, then why am I seeing water? Is there a way that he could have gotten into water, like a lake or something? And she was, like, no, he was a firefighter in 9-11. And then she's, like, Oh, well, the reason why I'm seeing water is maybe he, like, drowned from the hoses or something. Yeah, Montel. that was it. There wasn't like, anything else. It was fuck? all the water rushing down. <laughs> he drowned in the hoses. So, yeah, you can go find clips of her just, wow. like, fucking up. Wow. She's awful. She's just awful. <laughs> Everything that she said was just, like, the complete opposite of what happened. Hmm. So. I guess she didn't get her family's uh, gift. Her, her family's she didn't get gift. the gift. Yeah. Mm-mm. Or I her mean, spirit guide was just a bitch. <laughs> well, I mean, I think we all we all can agree about that. <laughs> but if if Francine was not real, I think maybe she was a little jealous of her family, and mm-hmm. she'd seen them see spirits, or they're just all a little nutty. Well, when people would ask her and be like, "How are you wrong?" Like, how are you wrong so many times? And she would just be like, well, only God's right 100% of the time. Like, I'm not God, so only God's the one that's right, like, 100% of the time. Like, that, she just, like, didn't, she didn't care. After the Sean case, where she was Uh like, oh, he's, like, dead or whatever, and then when he was found alive, like, after that, she basically refused to give interviews. Yeah. Because that was, like, pretty embarrassing. And then there was, like, 
there's this one person who has like a million dollar reward if you prove that you're psychic and he like offered it to her like multiple times Mm -hmm. and the first time she was like yeah i'll for sure do it like on tv or something radio or something she's like yeah of course i'll do it and then later on he's like you haven't taken me up on it she's like i don't know how to get in contact with you and he's like you're psychic what do you mean like look in the yellow pages or whatever like i'm in there like we're literally on the phone right now together (laughs) yeah yeah and then she was like she's like fine i'll do it just like set it up or whatever and then and then like she didn't do it and he was like what the fuck like i have the money don't you want a million dollars like you could get a million dollars and she's like i don't believe that the money's even real like i don't think that you even have the money and then he's like Mm. i have the fucking money she just like would not do it well yeah and i mean She's making pretty good fucking she money has, she herself. She nothing to prove. She's got obviously. a four, and also she's got a four year lineup. She, it's going to take four years to do the interview, or, or she's I mean, busy. to prove it. Yeah, she's super she's busy. busy. I mean, she's well, and then that's the you thing. In, she was like, "Yeah, I'm so busy," and the guy was like, "It will take like 20 minutes. It's like not a big deal." And she's just like, mm. "But really, yeah, why would she want to ruin her reputation?" But clearly, like being on the Montel show and being wrong all the fucking time didn't ruin <laughs> yeah, her reputation never at all. Have, Definitely, that was a bad call on her part because she could have just like gotten by and made a bunch of money doing private sessions and stuff and well, pay, and her books and all that. Well, that's the thing though. His show is the thing that like really propelled her into the forefront. So her going yeah. on there and just like spouting a bunch of shit, just hoping that like these cases wouldn't be solved for you know right. quite a few years, so that she like skate by. Well, and then but... she looks more legit, so she can get the four year lineup of people trying to call yeah. her because they're like, oh, we saw her on TV. She's a real psychic. Seven hundred and fifty dollars for twenty minutes on the phone. <sighs> for her to be like is it a b or is it a q i can't tell well and then apparently like uh there was like a clip i watched a video clip and someone was saying that on the calls with her she would go on for like 20 minutes about the names of their guardian angels and they would be like look i didn't call asking for like names of guardian angels i have like very specific <laughs> questions that i want answers to and you're so like she going would on use about their bullshit. 20 minutes yeah to just like bullshit about whatever and your guardian angel's name is anthony and he likes blue yeah and his favorite song is yeah. <laughs> yes yes like, mm-hmm. uh, that is not why i called and then there was like one that i think it was on the cruise story where someone asked like about someone like their husband or their kid or someone who had like died and she they were like is are they still with me and she was like yeah they're still with me you know when you get those phone calls and no one's on the other line that's them like calling and it's like no those are telemarketers (laughs) calling because (laughs) they're like the article said that like i guess telemarketers the phone will dial sometimes before they're even finished with a call. So they're still oh. on the line with this person. And then the phone is called like another person. That's why you answer sometimes. And there's no one there. So like, oh, so she's like, yeah, that's your like loved one, like getting in touch with you. You know, all those times <laughs> when someone calls and no one's there. Like what a bitch. Oh my what God. What a bitch. Yep. I so mean, that's the story of Sylvia mm. Brown. <laughs> and I, I remembered, like, I remembered the whole Amanda Berry thing because I just thought that was so awful. That was so yeah. tragic. And then I, like, I, like, started looking into her, Sylvia Brown and I was like, I didn't know she was the one, but she was She's the fucking the one. one. She was the one. That bitch. hmm I mean, <laughs> I don't know why 
a part of me just likes her in a weird way. <laughs> Not the part about her telling those families things, but the idea that she she's a self-made woman. She just made up this thing, got everyone to believe her, and got them to pay her a bunch of money. And, you know, had she just kept it at that, she could have kept on to 88. Yeah, but she's taking advantage yes. of vulnerable no, I like people. Part. I don't like that part. They're like but the I most like vulnerable the, like, people. The entertainment part. I mean, you know how much fun it is to watch like a quote unquote psychic. I don't believe it, but I like it's entertaining to watch. Yeah, it is. And that's why like I think like personally, I think that like tarot cards are more fun because they are up for like your your personal interpretation Interpretation. it's not like someone you know like cold calling being like oh is it like cold calling the spirits cold cold reading (laughs) like yeah it's a c or whatever you can like lay out the cards and be like i don't know if this applies to you but it seems like you know and it's usually the same thing where it's like oh you're going through something difficult Mm. right now you know it's like very Mm -hmm. generic stuff where it's like you're going through something difficult like you're doubting something it's okay you're gonna get out of this just trust yourself Mm -hmm. that's basically Mm -hmm. you know what they are but and that's that's what a lot of people go to those people like want to hear like you're going to another person who can supposedly like get in touch with whatever well it's like the miss cleo yeah and basically just tell you it's like the same thing where it's like it's like oh i see that you're like struggling but then then i just thought of miss cleo when the person calls and she's like she's like oh your baby daddy it's not the one you were hoping it's the other one and she's like oh i knew it i miss miss cleo (laughs) no she's another one god she's another one i just think it's so entertaining we could do a miss cleo story too because but i think like as long as people know it's bullshit like it's fun yes but this like this one in particular the fact that she was claiming to help people no i don't like like, that cases and people would ask her about like missing persons cases and she was wrong like how are you gonna be wrong every time how are you gonna be wrong every time fucking francine and these poor parents and then in this other article that i read um i'm losing names the name of the kid who went missing and then his dad Mm, yeah john uh, walsh uh yeah i think he was interviewed and he was basically like I think it was him. I don't mean to misquote him if it wasn't, but he was just like, you know, that's one of the worst parts is when like the wave of psychics come and they like yeah. contact you and they're like trying to give you like false hope basically or trying to like tell you that they know about your child. And it's just like so hard hearing that. And they do, they're like so predatory. They like find out that your kid is missing and then the psychics always call and they're like, oh, I can solve this case or whatever. And they don't know like what the fuck they're talking about. I don't know. It's just like so, it's so horrible. He's just like parents who have to it's go through It's very predatory. This. Yeah, they're already going through enough and then they have mm. like a bunch of people calling to like tell you that your kid is dead over and over again or that they're like suffering somewhere. It's just yeah. horrible. Fucked up. And Montel, like, come on, man. <laughs> He's an entertainer. Yeah, but why you got to do that? Why can't you, like, pick someone not as vulnerable? I mean, all or, like, of those if you're talk shows were like out, that, though. I know. They were. They were so they sketchy. They were so, uh, like, ex- 
exploitative of just like everyone like remember when like maury would be like basically like we've got freaks and they'd be like you know just people yeah. with like different body styles yes. and it was like wow like looking back like damn that's like so offensive yeah yeah it was yeah it was hurtful. It's pretty fucked up. Trashy though. TV. They were all so fucked bad. up. Yeah. So trashy. Yeah. But do you think Sylvia Fuck. like believed in her own lies? It's hard to say because I could see how someone like her would maybe be- start, like believe her own lies if her family was involved in all that stuff too. Yeah. But and, remember like, the beginning when her husband was like, don't be doing that stuff. And she's like, well, they believe me. They deserve it. Right. Like, right. I feel like, like that's she was what I was going to say. Like, I feel like it was. It could have been two ways, but yeah, you're right. She was just a businesswoman. But I think that, you know, she learned it from her family of like, oh, I mean, they they were probably just like, I mean, obviously, they were like scamming people too. So she's, it's kind of like a family uh, Well, this is what she claimed though. So who knows if they really, maybe that was just her backing it up being like, oh, my grandmother had the gift and my like uncle or whatever had the gift. The fact that that she claims that she got a graduate degree but won't say the university, (laughs) I just feel like she's just like a scam artist. Yes. And she did a really good job of it because she's making like hella money and people are like buying into her shit and she has people like writing books for her and just putting her name on them and being like, oh, yes, this is my like journey with Francine (laughs) part two. Yeah. Yeah. She's, uh, she was making it happen. (laughs) Just playing the game. Well, and then I guess, like, one of her critics on one of the shows, like, on Larry King or something, she was like, you better, you have to go get your heart checked out or whatever. And then he had a heart attack, like, later. And then she was like, see, I told you, I'm psychic. I knew you're going to have a heart attack. But it's like, whatever. How hard is it to guess that, like, an older dude is going to, like, have heart problems? (laughs) I don't know. Anyway. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I just think that she was a toss toss salad. That Mm -hmm. bitch was just evil. Yeah. (laughs) It's just fucked up. Making money on people's emotions. I mean, how hard is it to be, like, to just be, like, you know, I don't know if your child is dead or alive, but I do know that they, like, love you and they know that you love them. Or something like that, you know? Like, because can't you... that's not what they're paid for. <sighs> People want answers. People don't want, I don't know. And if you say you don't know, then you're not a real psychic. I just, ugh. <laughs> oh, I hate it. I think I'm going to become a psychic. Yeah? Call me now. <laughs> For your free tarot reading. Whoa, 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 whoa. Not free. Mm-mm. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go free. a little bit lower than Sylvia. I'm going to say the first... $500 <laughs> for 20 minutes. It's, it's a bargain deal. I think that's a good deal. I mean, she was charging $750 in like the 90s or the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, early 2000s. Yeah, so. bitch was making money. Call me now at 555-1175. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah. Yeah. She didn't kill anyone, but she might as well have. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Agreed. Shit. What Uh a bitch. Mm -hmm. Should we 
lighten the mood. Yeah. And now for the portion that we like to call Criminy Six, where we tell you silly stories about crime that make you forget the terrible things we just told you. Let's, Let's do lighten it. the mood with some smooth jazz. Smooth and refreshing. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have a psychic vision Reading? that everyone's getting some clogged pores from this mask wearing. Humblebee Herbal has this like really lovely cleansing grains mask. I did it the other day. I like to mix mine with yogurt and then I like put on my mask and I was like sitting by the window and this person walked by and was like staring at me and they're like walking their dog and they like walk forward and then they walked backwards and were like staring at me because I had like a purple face, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> But anyway, so I like to do like my face mask. I like mix it with yogurt and then I wait for it to dry. And then I use like the charcoal soap to wash oh, my face. And I it feels you were say, and so then I good. I use like some crackers and like peel it off my face and eat it. Because no! like yogurt, I would just like start licking my lips and then like a little bit wider. I mean, I guess you could eat it. But anyway, and then I use one of the facial bars and my skin feels so good and it looks so good. Nice. So yeah. bottom line. Check out Humblebee Herbal's face yeah. masks. And they also have like a serum and a face butter. Try Humblebee Herbal. 20% off your cleansing grains. Everything's super affordable anyway. Promo code CRIMINY20 for 20% off. Humblebeeherbal.com. I have one from 963xke.com. Mm-hmm. That there's got to be a better way to try and hide evidence than this. <laughs> the cops in Orlando, Florida, got a call on Monday about a guy trying to buy jewelry and gift cards with a stolen debit card. Uh-oh. The guy was a 27-year-old named Jose Herrera, and when he saw the cops coming, he <laughs> tried to hide the evidence by eating the <gasps> debit card. I was literally just going to say that. <laughs> I was going to ask if he ate it. Oh, my God. Oh I'm not God. sure it's even possible. Did he and it swallow wa- it? And it wasn't. It. He wasn't able to swallow it before the cops <laughs> stopped him. <laughs> and I guess at that point, he gave up on trying to hide the evidence because when they found a, a, because when they found a baggie of white powder in his pocket, he immediately said, quote, I'm not going to lie. It's cocaine. <laughs> he also had 13 other stolen credit and debit cards on him, and Ooh. he was hit with several charges. He was Okay, so he's going to try and swallow one when he has 13 <laughs> others plus <laughs> cocaine? Oh, my God. Yeah, the problem yeah. was that he didn't have any kind of water or, like, you know, drink to, to swallow <laughs> these <down>. cards. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I would have, like, thrown the cards eat the cocaine and run or something. I don't know. Well, yeah, because if you ate the cocaine, then you'd have like running power. You could run for yeah, years. Yeah, you, you would have, <laughs> and you'd have like great ideas as you're like running. Ideas. Yes. Everything would slow down <laughs> as you're running. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be mm-hmm. like an action movie. Yes. Or you eat the cocaine, then you rip up the cards because you're just like. I don't. Oh, you got Because I was going to say you can't rip those. But yeah. But yeah. yeah, Like you just like fold it and like fold it a bunch of times and rip it up and then do the next one. You can get through them all. (laughs) Um, I have another one from the same source. Okay. It said, 
Last July, a 32-year-old guy named Stephen Gaskell went outside onto the sidewalk in Lancashire, Lancashire, England, and whipped out his junk while he balanced a pie on his head. (laughs) A few people saw him and called the cops, and Stephen managed to pull his pants back up without the pie falling. Oh, he's got such poise. He does. He has good posture. He was just found guilty of exposure with intent to cause alarm or distress and was sentenced to a curfew. He will also have to register as a sex offender for five years. Ooh. So. What kind of pie? (laughs) Asking the real questions here. I would love some pie right now. I'm imagining like some kind of berry pie. Oh, I was thinking more like a. Like an apple. Ooh, an apple or like a peach cobbler. They didn't say cobbler. They said pie. Isn't that a. No, a cobbler's got like the crumbles. Oh. And a pie is like a pie. God. Uh, well, obviously I'm pie deprived. So. Um, that's why it's called peach cobbler and not peach pie. Because if it was a peach it was pie, it's a peach pie. Peach cobbler pie. No. <laughs> it comes in a tin. What are you eating? I don't know. <laughs> a cobbler Fuck. also sounds nice. Mm. I do like a cobbler. Ooh, mm. Or like a key lime pie or a lemon meringue. Ooh. Oh. I like a lemon square. Banana cream. More than a lemon meringue pie. Oh, well, that's nice. I do love a lemon square. So good. Now now I want pie. Me too. Shoot. Don't expose yourself while you're carrying it home, though. It's not worth it. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -mm. Man, pulling up your pants, though, without dropping the pie on your Impressive. He must have really wanted that pie. (laughs) wonder what the plan was not to drop the pie well obviously who knows <laughs> people yeah. who expose themselves have something going on that the rest of us don't yeah and it's up in their head not down in their pants and it's not the pie on their head <laughs> it's not the pie on their head it's in their head oh <laughs> well All right well thanks for tuning in again Thanks for episode. listening, and you're welcome, Mom, for doing another week, even though shit's getting hard, but you're welcome. She doesn't like when you complain, and oh. she doesn't like when I talk about her telling me not to tell you, telling you not to tell, not to say about anything. You know what I mean. Thanks for listening, everyone. Rate, review, subscribe. Check out our sponsor, Humblebee Herbal, and tune in next week when we'll have another couple of fucked up stories. Oh yeah, it's gonna get real dark. Have a good week, everyone. Be nice to each other. Stay safe. Goodbye. Goodbye. Tarot Perte. There's a ghost like trying to enter. Here, let me give you some injections. Meanwhile, back at the screw place. You didn't even say that my face was like glowing. Oh, your face is glowing. I had to eat the whole pie 